Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of HR Works. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. Today, rather than another episode of HR Works COVID-19 update, we'll be discussing the recent situation in D.C. It was just last Wednesday when an unprecedented attack on the Capitol captured the attention of the world. I, for one, watched with disbelief as doors were breached. Police were overrun. Mace was used by both attackers and defenders, and even uh, as a woman died, We later learned that a police officer was also killed and several health-related emergencies resulted in deaths as well. It was a grim scene and one that reminds us that even those places that are supposed to be secure can have serious security flaws. Ahead of the inauguration, the FBI recently warned all 50 states that there might be armed violence uh, around around that time frame. We've all seen the pictures of the National Guard in the Capitol building Um, I just read today that airlines aren't allowing people to check uh, firearms into airplanes if they're going to D.C. There have been a number of other actions that have been taken that I'm sure we're unaware of. Um, But not everywhere has such resources to protect themselves to that degree. And and this whole experience is a a good lesson for employers and HR professionals that are responsible for the security of their organization um, and, and their employees. So... I'm lucky to be joined today by Ty Smith, a retired Navy SEAL and founder and CEO of ComSafe AI, an African-American and disabled veteran-owned technology company that helps companies disrupt emerging threats via an AI communications analysis system that helps companies identify and mitigate toxic communications in the workplace before they escalate. Thank you, Ty, so much for joining us today. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me, Jim. Absolutely. When this whole situation first started, you know, I was alerted by friends online saying, hey, are you seeing what's happening? It's one of those things kind of like when 9-11 started, uh, where the gravity of the situation was not yet clear, you know. Um, so I was watching on TV and social media as those doors are getting busted down and the windows are getting broken. And my first thought as a, an HR professional, sorry, as an HR expert was, man, a lot of people are going to get fired after all this is over. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. They're making political statements. And then, of course, the gravity of the situation set in and it became a completely different situation. Um, I don't know where exactly we should get started, but uh, maybe we should just talk about why, as far as what we know, what the facts are, why it was even possible for that to happen. Sure. Well, It is my opinion that in order for 
a smaller force to have the tactical advantage over a larger force, especially a force that is prepared, that smaller force has to have some kind of early warning. They have to have a way to understand what is actually happening and what's, what to be prepared for prior to having to deal with that situation. Because what we saw take place at the United States Capitol was a great example of our law enforcement officers being totally overcome by events. And this yeah. is not, it's not on them, in my opinion, because you had a severely limited amount of law enforcement officers that were bravely trying to hold down the fort against a completely overwhelming number of people that had already made up in their mind that, that we came here for a reason and we are going to have our way and obviously by any means necessary. So in order for the law enforcement officers at the U.S. Capitol to have gained control of a situation like that, they would have had to have early warning. And because they didn't have that early warning, because, well, some would argue that they, you know, that we know of, some would argue that there was, you know, intelligence leading up to, to this, but because they didn't act on that information, they were quickly overcome by events. Yeah, it's a, it's a really powerful reminder of um, the real weakness in any security system, which is people. Right. right. It was, right. we saw the videos of certain individuals that certainly appeared to be police officers letting certain crowds into areas at the same time that other police officers fought for their lives, um, which led to a, I think, a crumbling of trust amongst the senators and congressmen that were taking shelter in the building, you know, when they were, when they were being evacuated. Uh, AOC said on a, a live chat the other day that she would run into police officers and was unaware if, or wasn't, she wasn't sure if that was going to be one of the, the ones that was going to help her or, or do something else. Mm -hmm. And that is other than being totally, totally crazy and terrifying. It just shows how uh, a, a symbol and an, and an edifice like the Capitol building, it's supposed to be, I mean, you would imagine it's unbreachable. Mm -hmm. um, how something as simple as just the question of, are these guys on our side, whether they were or not, just the question, uh, are these guys going to protect us or not, can lead to a security threat of its own. No, you're right. And, and it is absolutely terrifying when you don't know if you can trust the very people that you're employing to protect you or at least fight alongside you. You know, this reminds me of, you know, several instances throughout my career in the SEAL teams being overseas in places like Iraq and Afghanistan and having to deal with, you know, the beyond horrible situation of, you know, your friendly forces turning their weapons against you. You know, we would work with Afghani special operations commandos. And there were several instances where in the middle of a fight for our lives, you know, our 
you know, quote unquote, friendly Afghani forces then turn their weapons on us. And that's when the situation becomes almost beyond dire, because now it's like we have no idea who is who. And we're in a fight for our lives right now. And it it really saddens me to know that, you know, that was a very similar situation that our leadership was dealing with that day. And it is terrifying. You know, you're running toward people that are supposed to be your protectors only to find out that that isn't necessarily the case. So I said this when I wrote an article a few months back uh, that went viral overnight regarding, you know, the death of George Floyd and, and how we have to prepare to move forward as a nation. But our law enforcement community is no different than any other organization of people. You take any group of people and unfortunately, a certain percentage of that group is going to be rotten. All people are all people. It doesn't matter if you're black, you're white, gay, straight, Arab, American, human beings are human beings. And if you take a group of people, a certain percentage of them, they're gonna be rotten. Our military is no different. Our law enforcement community is no different. That's why these organizations have to lean on advanced technology in order to have early warning, including our law enforcement community. That's one of the reasons why we created ComSafe AI, and we want to employ this technology even within the law enforcement community, because when it comes down to it, not all law enforcement is bad and corrupt and racist. That's ridiculous. It's no different from saying that all black people are criminals and all white people are racist. I mean, it just, it sounds ridiculous coming out of my mouth. But the problem that we're facing is that the American public is in a position, a very dangerous position to where now we don't know who's who in the zoo in our law enforcement community. We don't know if we can trust them because they're not sure if they can trust one another. And that's why we need advanced technologies to help even our law enforcement community understand who are the bad apples operating within the community that we need to get rid of right now in order to regain the trust of the public. Yeah. And I should add that, you know, if it weren't for other police officers, the situation would have that were that were good and did the right thing, did their duty. Uh, we would be in a very different situation. There was a uh, Eugene Goodman who recognized that a large portion of the mob had reached just within 10 feet of unsecured doors to the actual Senate chamber. Um, it's that same door that you later on saw all the armed officers barricading right. with a, a right. cabinet, but that barricade wasn't in place at that time. And he mm-hmm. led them away um, by, by chasing them up the stairs. I saw that video before I knew the context and, you know, I felt bad for that officer. It looked like he was being, you know, hunted. And then when you realize later on what he was really doing, I mean, that's, that was, it was heroic. the difference between this thing being what it is now, which is a failed coup, and what it could have been, which is there were senators and congressmen in that room um, with just a handful of armed individuals protecting them. I agree with you. It was absolutely heroic, his, his actions. And it, it, it's more than just, oh, well, he led them away from 
where our leadership was was gathered in that that one room, it, it's really important for people to understand what's happening to a human being and their psychological state when you're under that kind of duress, that kind of stress where you know without a doubt that your life is on the line and if you make one wrong move, you are going to die, possibly a terrible death. For him to have had that kind of mental resolve to where knowing that he was facing that kind of danger and threat to his life, he was still able to remain calm and work the problem in his head and understand where everyone was and that he needed to lead that group away from away from our leadership that was it was incredible it was the definition of courage under fire yeah it was heroic in my opinion yeah and it i know we haven't really talked too much about the uh the employer perspective and, and we're getting there um but it, it highlights how important good communication is um, during a crisis and practicing and preparing for good communication because with that many people in one location, all that chaos um, and all those different kinds of threats, because, you know, there were bombs were found there. Some people had guns. Right. Uh, there, there were people using American flags as like spears and javelins. Some of them had right. mace that they were attacking police officers with. I mean, if your communication isn't good, if that officer hadn't hadn't, you know, communicated with his fellow officers that were upstairs waiting for the mob, waiting to to occupy their time, really, um, you know, it could have just been a, a story where he could have saved them, but he could have been, you know, cornered and, and killed or, or right. severely, severely injured right. that I think it's, it's sort of like Mike Tyson says, right? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm -hmm. um, it's so easy for people that haven't been in combat. And I'm one of these people to think I'll have time to do what I need to do. When something happens, I'll have the wherewithal to make the right moves. I'll have the capability to defend myself and my family. Um, whereas once it happens, it happens so quickly that if you're relying on sort of your gut reflexes and reactions, you know, you're, you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage. And the same is true for, for employers and apparently for, for Capitol Police. No, you're absolutely right. And when it comes down to scenarios like that, if a person doesn't have a significant amount of training, to fall back on when the situation begins to deteriorate so rapidly that it's hard to even think about organizing your thoughts, then they're going to be lost. Because again, when a person comes under that kind of duress, that kind of psychological stress, the brain's natural inclination is to stop working. You know, you're really, that's when you hear people go, I couldn't even think straight. It was happening so quickly. The brain wants to shut yeah. down. It's a part of that, that fight or flight, you know, instinct that we always talk about. So unless you have some training in the back of your mind for your brain to, to grab a hold of when it wants to shut down, you're going to be in trouble. It, it is not what people think, you know. You know, people watch movies and, and play video games. And like you said, they think that, well, if you know, if the, you know what hits the fan, I'll, I'll be okay. But it's a totally different scenario when it's you in the middle of that dire situation. Last time you and I talked, it was for a, an article. And I'll, I'll include a link to that article uh, in the description um, where we discussed at length 
the new threats that that coronavirus has brought to us. And it may not be immediately clear to our audience that there were new threats that were coronavirus related at this event. Do you mind just discussing that a little bit? Sure. So unfortunately, over the last year, as we've been dealing with the coronavirus, we have discovered the emergence of more than 10 new threat trends that employees have to deal with, even though most of us are working from home. So we've seen a massive spike in the sale of firearms. I believe there were just over 15 million firearms that were sold in the United States in 2020. I, I think wow. June had a record-breaking nearly 4 million firearms were sold in June alone. We've also seen a massive spike in the sale of ghost gun parts. And yeah. this is where this gets really, really shady. Because like you said, all of these people that showed up at the United States Capitol, we had no idea who they were or what they had on them. We only know that some people were armed, there were bombs, there were firearms, there were blades, there were spears. But with the increase of ghost gun parts, we have no idea how many of those people had firearms that they had piecemealed together. And those firearms are completely untraceable. There, there's no way to find out know who actually owned those firearms had they been employed and then just tossed. We've also seen a massive spike in child abuse. We've seen a massive increase in cyber sexual harassment, cyber bullying, cyber stalking, domestic violence. And I think about five or six months ago, you know, even the national security arm of the Department of Justice released a public memo stating that as a result of this pandemic, homegrown terror is on the rise and that this pandemic has given these terror cells new ways of attacking new targets. And one of the things that we have to consider is that when those hundreds of people breached the United States Capitol, how many of those people were potentially infected with the COVID-19 virus? Yeah. How many of those people were purposely taking the coronavirus inside the United States Capitol. That's something that we have to be concerned with. So yeah, over the last year, there's been a lot of situations involving new threats to employees, people in this country have sprung up as a result of this pandemic. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the same crowd that that was invading the Capitol is also the crowd of people that don't typically believe in wearing masks. And indeed, very right. few of them were. Some people right. were, most of them weren't. They're crammed in tight spaces. They're shouting, they're breathing, they're mm -hmm. all over each other. I mean, it's amongst themselves, it's an extreme security risk that right. I think many of them will, will learn over the coming weeks. Mm -hmm. But then you had this secondary situation where senators and congressmen were corralled into tight spaces as they, they fled the attackers. And people, um, some people refused to wear masks. Right. You know, so now you, and we've heard since then at least three cases of, of congressmen and, and senators getting, um, getting coronavirus right right after right that's 
this sort of secondary, you know, it's maybe it wasn't on purpose, but then again, it wouldn't be that hard to envision saying, well, if we attack this room, they're going to put them all in one room. And we know that some people don't wear masks and a bunch of people are going to get sick. You know, it's secondary damage. Yeah. And I don't think it's outside of the realm of reality to assume that those conversations were had. Those conversations were had in person. They were had over email. They were had over chat. They were had over, over social media. But when I put on my, my physical security thinking cap, you know, that was honed over a two decade career in the United States military, most of that being spent in the SEAL teams. I don't think it's outside of the realm of, of reality at all, because just over the last five minutes, you and I have discussed it as though it's common sense. And we know that there were thousands of people that were organizing this, this siege is what it's being called. So I think it's absolutely possible that at least one person thought to bring this up. Absolutely. Well, there's one, one other thing I want to talk about before we talk, we're rooted in employers and bear with me listeners. Um, (laughs) There's a lot to, a lot of lessons here. One one is that a lot of security minded individuals, um, particularly if they're amateurs and correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I myself am an amateur, um, get hyper-focused on individual threats. You know, it's, if you defend your, you know, if you build a bunker in your backyard because you think that that there's going to be a nuclear apocalypse, but then there's, I don't know, a drought instead. You're not prepared for that. You were prepared for the one thing, not the other thing. It's easy to get focused on this attack, that attack. And in the workplace, that happens very much because the the primary forms of violence in a workplace are uh, physical hand-to-hand violence, you know, mm-hmm. someone attacking somebody else, uh, knives, guns, and in some cases, explosives. You know, you do see some instances where people are using fire too, but it's all very physical threats. At this event, all of those things were happening. Right. You know, your system might be ready for for an active shooter. Maybe you don't active shooter training, but have you done active shooter training while people are macing you and maybe blocking the rear door and lighting a building on fire? <laughs> you know? Right, right. Probably not. Right, and and... and- there wasn't, you weren't just dealing with, you know, one active shooter. I mean, gosh, that almost would have been a better situation. But instead, those law enforcement officers were dealing with hundreds of angry protesters, and they had no idea who was armed and who was not. They had no idea, you know, at the drop of a hat, when and this would become an active shooter scenario because they didn't know who was armed and and who wasn't so it was it was a much more dangerous scenario in my opinion than just the lone active shooter which leads us to what lessons can we learn from this that employers can take away what what are the risks that you know particularly over the next week but i could see these risks continuing on into the next year what unique threats do does this risk have for employers and then generally speaking what kinds of what kinds of lessons can we learn from what happened sure i think first and foremost we have to acknowledge the fact that unless employers have a protective intelligence system in place so that they have early warning 
when employees are having conversations that are unbecoming of the organization or that could tarnish or damage the organization's culture and brand, then those organizations are in trouble. Because what we're seeing now, again, after the fact, the damage has been done, we're seeing law enforcement just going on a terror, finding these, these individuals and making sure that they pay for what they did. But these individuals, no, not all of these people were average everydayers. A lot of these people were really important people, like executives at businesses. And so now these companies are, are worried about, well, if one of those individuals happened to be an executive at our company, how is that going to affect our brand once this goes public? Once that person gets wrapped up by law enforcement and it becomes public knowledge that that person had something to do with the siege in the Capitol and they work for this particular organization, especially if, if they're a public company, now the organization has to be seriously concerned with their culture and their brand and the loss of revenue that's going to come with that tarnishing of their brand because of that one particular person, let alone if they had multiple, you know, they just happened to be unlucky enough to have multiple employees yeah. that flew out to DC in order to attend that. So we have to worry about how that's going to affect the organization's culture, how it's going to affect their brand. We also have to be concerned with the fact that, you know, just because a person didn't show up to that siege, it doesn't mean that they didn't support it. It doesn't mean that they're not at home celebrating quietly as they're watching this unfold on the television. So organizations have to worry about, hey, who are our employees really? What, what, what are they following? What are they talking about amongst one another? Because like I said, it wasn't a coincidence that everybody just happened to show up in DC at the same time, know these people were organized and they did it through phone conversations, email conversations, chat and social media conversations. And so again, if organizations don't have some kind of early warning solution or protective intelligence solution, like what we've created in place, they have no idea where those liabilities are. And that's exactly what they are. They are hidden liabilities that are gonna cost the organization money if these liabilities actually come to light. So we have to worry about the brand. We have to worry about the culture within the company. We have to worry about some of these bad actors being employees and getting into physical and verbal altercations with other employees at the company. So now yeah. they're attacking the productivity of other employees that don't wanna have anything to do with those beliefs. So there, there's a myriad uh, of different variables that we have to consider. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade, the black O.J. Simpson in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy racism. Uh, before we get to Mr. Ty Smith, I keep hearing the word tarnished. I feel like I've heard the word tarnished about, I don't know, uh, close to double digits in just this week alone. Like I feel like I've heard it almost 10 times just this week. Uh, that is a word in the word guide. Mr. Fuller encourages us not to use it. Uh, Ty Smith, the black male speaking in the clip we just heard, he used it and a few other folks. Uh, 
tarnished image or reputation. Do not use this term reason. The terms tarnished image, tarnished reputation, blackened reputation have often been used in a manner that is supportive of white supremacist thinking. For example, a person with a tarnished image would be thought of as being dark as, as well as being despicable during the existence of the system of white supremacy. The basic intent for the use of such terms is to associate unworthy or destructive behavior with the physical appearance of non white people. Mm hmm. Context of white supremacy. Today's day, Friday, January 22, 2021. So I have been told this is our weekly broadcast neutralizing workplace racism, not for spectators. White people were not spectating on January 6th. In fact, it was white military personnel white police officers many of them all over the land they were not spectating on January 6th we'll have more on that tomorrow but not for spectators Uh, if you have figured out some ways you do not get peppered all day long what do you think about new President Biden oh my goodness did you watch what happened at the Capitol oh did you watch it none of that they already know you don't talk talk about politics in the workplace. You are focused on your tasks. You get your promotions. If you want to be at work, you come to work. You want to be at home on Zoom, you stay at home on Zoom. If you need time to work with your children, you do so. Whatever it is, PPE, extra sanitizer, making sure people are spaced in the workplace, you get what you need to get your job done. Hey, we need that information immediately. Uh, If you are in that position where you are not being mistreated in the workplace, if you're like you're being compensated correctly and you figured out some things to minimize problems, our number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star six one if you are, would like to participate. You can share if you're listening online or what have you. Share, let people know we're live, especially if you know some black people, victims of racism who might be having a problem or eight in the workplace. Share it on social media. Let folks know. Neutralizing workplace racism airing live now. Uh, so we heard. Mr. Ty Smith, I'll give out the number a few more times as well. We heard Mr. Ty Smith, who's a black male Navy SEAL. They don't even have uh, a retired Navy SEAL, but they don't even have black Navy SEALs. That's like Chris Kyle, Navy SEAL. Like, really? Wow, that's amazing. Ty Smith. Wow. Inspiring. Uh, But they had him on the HR Works podcast to talk about what happened at the Capitol and the context of the work environment, which I thought was fascinating for a number of reasons. Uh, I cannot emphasize enough. We should not be talking about politics in the workplace. I know it's got to be very tempting this week with the inauguration and everything else, but I mean, code is code is code. I said the same thing both times Obama was uh, inaugurated said the same thing when Trump was inaugurated like code is code 
is code. I do not think it's going to benefit you. And what he just said, you don't even know who you're talking to. Like the person that you're talking to. Oh, didn't you think it was great? Did you watch Kamala Harris and Joe Biden take office? And what you have no idea if this white woman, was she at the Capitol? Was she at the Capitol in spirit? Even if she was still in her cubicle. He just said that Ty Smith, you don't even know who you're talking to. So no talking about politics in the workplace. All of that said, we were chatting or listening rather to Ty Smith. And I thought it was interesting for so many reasons because they talked about so many different components of uh, the workplace. Mr. Smith is the CEO of ComSafe. AI. It's an analysis system, and I'm just reading. It's an analysis system that helps companies identify and mitigate toxic communication in the workplace. Wow. Now, Dr. Cambon, some of our other uh, guests have said over the years do not be on social media if you have a job profession where you have to have a social media account uh, I know that is the case for some professions actors politicians you might have to have a social media account but other professions you don't need a social media account if you have to have one, you just got to get on and, you know, get your two cents about whatever you saw, whatever meal you want to get your food picks up. OK, <laughs> make sure it's not in your name and is not going to be identified with you in any way, shape, form, unless you tell someone, oh, yeah, uh, you know, that's mine. Uh, Kale best or Kale lover, Kale lover forever. That's that's me. You know, you can let people know. But other than that like nah I'm good not going to be going through especially if they're going to have this sort of technology if what happened this month is going to be justification that oh yes now we have to have everybody on this to make sure you all aren't uh, plotting and getting together any sort of incendiary schemes uh, on Twitter or Facebook or any any of these other outlets and something that might reflect poorly on our organization and brand. So yes, we want to make sure and, you know, dust ups with other employees and things of that nature, uh, which I can see a value to that, but that is a lot to consider. Uh, So that was one component that I thought was fascinating when he uh, talked about people that work in security. And I'm sure we have some listeners like that would be workplace racism too, for people that's their job is security. If they're enforcement officers or whatever. Uh, and he was talking about <clears throat> Eugene Goodman, black male didn't identify, but black male enforcement officer at the Capitol. And I saw that video where, you know, he's being chased uh, by this white terrorist mob. But I didn't know when I saw it the first time that he was trying to divert them from the members of Congress and what have you. Uh, Now, at least in my view, that seems like a black person helping white people. I mean, I'm not castigating at all, but I mean, he's literally having to put his life 
on the line, as they say, for it's not like they got tons of black people in Congress. I know they got AOC and some of the other folks, but I mean, it's not overrun without Sharpton, I don't think. Nancy Pelosi, I know she did have that kente cloth, but she doesn't count. Uh, but seeing that situation, I mean, just wow. Uh, that's the sort of thing like you have to have all types of codification. Um, I would not want that job. We just had Mr. Uh, Abdul Muhammad Rahim on the program, and he was a former U.S. Secret Service uh, officer. And he said, hey, I did not want the presidential detail. I do not want to have to be jumping in front of a bullet or anything else like I am good. Uh, I cannot imagine uh, having a man anybody you do security or what have you and that's your job you got to put your life in front of a mob and fend them off by yourself and you know he doesn't know they could have had a bomb they could have you know man uh and in speaking of the security component that mr goodman dealt with and i think he escorted kamala harris yesterday uh to the white house i might be in error but i think he did that was part of his you know reward i guess for risking his life but they said these folks were armed and many of them they were uh, with they swords javelins clubs firearms mace all kinds of weaponry and they said with some of the firearms they had some of those uh, newfangled 3D printed firearms and uh, he was talking about the unique danger that they represent because they're not traceable and so you don't really know where this weapon came from who has it that sort of thing just represents lots more uh, hazards and all of that I think is important uh, for particularly for your workplace Uh, I know some of us work in environments that are more dangerous than others but all of that particularly in this environment should be considered Uh, even just with other employees all of that should be considered Uh, do do we work with people who are volatile like maybe we don't have a security breach from customers or patrons per se but hey it might be fellow co-workers get upset you know they might have been at the capitol or whatever else they're upset about the latest round of Rona regulations or you know any number of things Uh, And, you know, they decide that they want to come in and be rowdy. That's why I said like that AI system that's supposed to evaluate and look for, you know, potential conflict between employees. If they're talking in a in a hostile manner, I could see a value to that because they get a caller in Florida. He talks about the click members all the time. I am sure if that AI system could get text messages, we the click might be out of business. I could see a value to that, but it is, I mean, wow, that's a lot to think about. Uh, Let's see next. The, what is our plan? Be in uh, Canada. She spoke about it just, I think within the last, this month, put it that way, because it was after the uh, treason, white treason at the Capitol. She said, use this incident hey, let's grab our policy and procedure and review workplace safety. What should we do if something volatile happens in the workplace? Let's make sure that we're not overwhelmed. We know what we're supposed to do. 
Make sure that 911 gets called. Where are the emergency exits? If we work with younger people, what is the responsibility in making sure we've done some drills so they know is this a situation where we need to evacuate? Do we need to try to hunker down and get to uh, a locked, safe, secure part of the facility? Like what what are we supposed to do? Um, you know, do you have weaponry? Do you have mace or what have you? Are you comfortable? Have you trained with that? Like all of that should be thought of. I do not in any way, shape uh, or form. Uh, Mr. Uh, Ty Smith in the segment, he said, <clears throat> we just have to get to the inauguration this week. We just have to get to that and then we'll get some peace. I do not think that is the case. I do not think a substantial number of these whites are just going, Oh, well, you know, we'll wait till 2024. I do not think that is the case at all, especially now that you have a non-white uh, vice president too. We got to look, Oh man. Like, uh, and the Rona is still here rolling. Like, man, I would expect all kinds of violence and mayhem for the considerable future. So let's make sure we review our policy and procedure for safety in the workplace. And that can include, I thought that was great what he said, people coming in and trying to spark these conversations in the workplace uh, and ending up having conflict there. That's why I said, one, you squash all of that by, I have a bedrock code. I don't talk about politics in the workplace ever, even with other non-white people. So there's no chance of it ever getting there. Like I said, uh, frequently you have, and especially in this environment, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who's listening to you. You might be talking to someone who is in 5,000% agreement with all of your sentiments the person in the cubicle two stories over two or two desks over they're ear hustling they were at the capitol now they got two more targets no benefit at all uh, if, if anything I would use this as this is why we do not want to encourage a lot of frivolous chit chat about you know gossip and innuendo Things are so volatile. We really just want to be about being professional. I think a professional work environment tends to be a safe work environment. Who's going to disagree with that? That's what I would. I would take advantage. If you have people who like to do engage in a lot of unprofessional uh, behavior, crude humor, that type of thing. This might be a great opportunity to, hey, maybe we should address that. And in in the context of workplace safety, things are so volatile right now. Just a thought. Uh, let's see. He said that at the beginning, he said he thought some people are going to get fired like this this is cannot be a protocol for these type of things to be happening some people are going to be getting fired and or there's going to be some serious vetting that's going back to his whole AI system that he was kind of hustling uh, within that segment as well nothing incorrect about that just saying uh, but we uh, go back to our caller in Florida now he talks about the click members and they have all their you know propaganda and their views he had one of them that was saying uh 
what I'm like when I get home. And it had a picture of a devil, I think, on a couch eating bonbons or something like that type of content. I don't know. Some of it was more inflammatory. That's just one of the more recent ones that I recall. But I mean, if it's going to be like a we got to seriously vet everybody, make sure that again, I don't know how much of this they're really going to do. It's been my experience. White people get the clown a lot, practice racism a lot, and they're not held accountable. But if they do, you know, at least act like they want to go through the motions of these measures. No social media about nothing certainly not traceable to you and certainly if anything it might be I think our caller in Florida he had been doing the surveillance uh, going through and checking out employees Facebook like wow they're writing posting all kinds of incendiary and racist things might be worth you know just a few minutes you don't have to make it a major project or anything, but if you can locate some of your coworkers, white coworkers, uh, on social media platforms, see what they're posting about. Might be a little recon. You can learn a little bit more uh, about the people that are probably trying to question and poke and pride you all day long to get information. Check out, see what they're posting about. Uh, let's see anything else from this segment. The three D guns, the politics. I'll leave it there for now because we'll have lots more on, uh, yeah, politics and the Capitol and all that tomorrow. The email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Uh, we can read your commentary anonymously if you have thoughts, suggestions, uh, input you would like to share. Uh, I'll make sure to get some of the folks uh, who wrote in as we go. I'll give out the number again to the number 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Get to our emails uh, or I'll read at least one and then we'll get to some of the folks who called in while I'm in the process of getting to the emails. I want to make sure I get this uh, on the record, the wretchedness of the day. So I got moving like early this morning. Uh, I'm at the flipping grocery store at 8 a.m. getting my early morning shop in uh, so I don't have to be around a whole lot of people. I can get my few little goodies and be on my way. <clears throat> and in right, getting an early start to my Friday, right? You know, getting things knocked out. Boom, boom, boom. Take this there. Boom, boom. And uh, I get back. I'm cooking. I'm literally getting the audio segment ready that we just listened to. I'm listening to Mr. Ty Smith and trying to figure out where I'm going to make my cuts at. And boom, boom, boom. What parts of it I think are significant electricity goes out and I don't know if it's just a beautiful day too it's sunny uh, even though it's the middle of the winter it was almost 50 degrees beautiful and sunny just oh wow feeling great little watermelon day on the plantation and then bang the power goes out like I literally have a sweet potato pie in the oven and the power goes out so I don't know if this is like an individual 
our house, if this is like a whole neighborhood, if this is the Rona, if this is the Proud Boys, like no idea. So I said, well, at least I'll see if I can go to Starbucks and sit down. Maybe I can, you know, get some Wi-Fi, figure, figure out what's going on. I get almost right at the Starbucks. They don't have power either. Second time this month, there has been like, I don't know, a, a several mile radius uh, power outage. Uh, the last time there was a storm, so there was some logic as to, you know, what happened while today I have no idea. It was a beautiful sunny day, not windy, not a cloud in the sky and pow, no electricity. Um, yeah, it, it totally, I had a sweet potato pie in the oven. I had my crock pot on. I was trying to get the audio together and Neanderthal times all at once. Uh, so that greatly disrupted, uh, my front. Like I was thinking like, Oh, I got up and got everything done. I have my audio segment together and blah, 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 do this and do that. And whoosh, that like crushed the whole Friday, no dinner, barely got the audio together. Like I, I just sat like stunned. Like I cannot believe this. Like, wow. <laughs> the second time this month persevere. Nonetheless, we did get the audio, no dinner, but we got the audio together. Now, the emails. Non-white female, black female, uh, victim of racism. She writes, uh, South Florida, Florida mentions again, uh, South Florida school district, uh, the sixth largest in the nation, uh, is doling out vaccines. The population of educators in Broward County is disproportionately minority compared to central and northern parts of the state. Governor DeSantis, that is my man, has ordered all schools to have an in-person option or they lose funding. Wow, that is a stinger. The funds are already doled out unfairly, watch that word fair, to schools out west, i.e. whiter schools. I've been back to work in person since October wearing a mask. Prioritize your safety. I don't, she didn't say, did you have to get the vaccine? I know that's what the, I just saw the report today. They were talking about uh, educators or schools in general, or same thing. Uh, but they were talking about the policies for the schools. And they said, we looked at over a thousand different school situations and there were over a thousand different Rona policies. That's something I've, we talked about this for a year now and saying, at least in my view, we had Betsy Devos for a year, right? Arnie Duncan way back when president Obama was in the white house and what have you, you have a secretary of education. You have a center for disease control. Why not have these informed folks sit down, grab Dr. Fauci, whomever else you think is intelligent and put together a national plan. Bang. You can even leave some wiggle room as they say for local input. They know best where they can tweak and do whatever, but why not put in some measures? You can even have tiers for, you know, schools of certain size. This'll be the protocol schools of this size. This'll be the pro. I mean, they could put all that together. 
why wouldn't that make more sense, which they have done in other places of the world, as opposed to we'll have 15,000 different school policies about how we're going to deal with the Rona. Like, and then some of these are right next to goofiness all the way. And again, might be another illustration. What does that idiot say? White people do not care about children. I have also seen that as a pattern as well, where uh, the white parents seem to be much more aggressive about sending their children to school in person. Uh, Again, it seems to be more of the white parents who are not taking the Rona as seriously and such. Uh, I might be, I don't have children, so I might be seeing this incorrectly. Uh, And I suspect it's probably, it might be a little different depending on where you are geographically. So, uh, but I didn't hear, or it wasn't in the text uh, writing uh, from this listener, whether or not uh, she had to get the vaccine to be in the classroom. I know they were talking about that in different uh, places as well, uh, that they wanted to, Let's get back to in-person learning as soon as possible. And to make that happen, we want to get all of our educate everybody. If you're going to be in the school, custodial staff, uh, presumably, I would guess, cafeteria workers, principals, guidance counselors, everybody vaccinated. If you're going to be in the school like, wow, uh, because I have not heard uh, any work population. Uh, I just looked at a report. They were talking about uh, prison guards. Nah, they said that was a really hard sell, getting prison guards to get the Rona shot. Healthcare workers, they're at the front of the line. Hard sell. Lots of healthcare workers do not want the vaccine. So I have no idea how it would be that schools would be so unique that you would get, you know, 100% compliant or even like 80% compliance, 75% compliance. Like I just. I don't know. Lots of white skepticism, uh, lots of reasons, logical reasons to have some, you know, hesitancy about all this. But um, if you are an educator, let us like, what is the policy? What what have they kind of laid out in terms of this is what it's going to look like? Are they, you know, going encouraging the in-person learning? Is it do you have to be vaccinated to be in the school? If you're an educator, if you're a student, like what? What is it looking like just and that way, maybe we can see if we have educators who, you know, share uh, about this, then maybe we can see this is what it looks like here. This is what it looks like in other parts of the world. Number again, seven, two, zero, seven, one, six, seven, three hundred. The code five, six, four, nine, four, three pound press star six one if you would like to participate so much going on we should not have spectators so like if you had to deal with conversation about the inauguration did you watch the inauguration i actually heard that i talked to a black uh female victim uh this week who's always super 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 kind courteous every time i speak with her I was speaking to her and she was uh, so giddy. I spoke to her. She was at work. She was so giddy. And she said, oh, man, I'm so excited. One more day. Have the inauguration. She said, I'm going to go back in the office and sneak and just watch the inauguration. I said, ooh, mm, BGQ. 
and uh, <clears throat> leave it leave it at that. I said I'm, I'm hopefully will be doing better things with my time and energy uh, on Wednesday. That was what I was saying in my head. But it's like BGQ, right on, right on. That'll be that'll be granted working. Even that, I would if it's an event that you are like I was excited. Right. When President Trump got inaugurated in 2016, not even so much that I was excited and wanted to see what he and Melania Trump were wearing, any of that. I was overjoyed about President Obama exiting. I wouldn't exactly want to be at work with white people where I'm going to be closely watching this political event, this highly publicized political event, because it's going to probably lead to someone wanting to talk about this with me. So if it's anything like that, where you feel like you got to watch this, like this is important. OJ Simpson verdict, that type of thing. Like, no, if it's so, if it's that much of a big deal, stay at home, call out, sick so you can watch and enjoy and do all that stuff and then go back to work and be codified but I would not uh, be hanging out and watching something like that in a workplace environment again you don't even know who is watching you watching let's see Uh, we'll get to the phone line compensatory call in tomorrow looking forward to that too let's see first few folks who dialed in with the hand up proceed hi may i be heard i heard both of you uh be at toronto and uh our other female call we got two females uh uh, let's see we'll get you go ahead ma'am you were Okay. I can, uh, I'll let it go. I'll let B go ahead. Oh, that's okay. I was saying that B, B can go ahead and go first. I'll let her. Are, are you sure? I was, I was saying that I could yield and, and you can go first. That's okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, B. Um, Gus, I had a, a couple of questions for you. When you are in a white workspace and you um, particularly work with uh, non- uh, white people who I guess they kind of they treat you differently um, when you're around uh, white people versus how they treat you when you're alone. Uh, in short, basically, them being being very uh, pro black whenever you're alone or in the office together, but when they're another way around other people, they basically act like you do not exist. And I know we're not supposed to blame the, the victim um, in the system of white supremacy, but would you recommend distant, distancing yourself from a, a non-white person with that particular characteristic? Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what you mean by distancing. Um, yeah, I don't know if you mean like no longer talk to the person or like physically sit further away from them, that type of thing. Um, All of those might be reasonable solutions. Uh, My response would be number one, that is very reasonable in terms of a non-white person having, I think 
pro- if it, I, I generally try not to overgeneralize, but I think most of us have slightly or sometimes substantially different behavior in the presence of white people as opposed to when there are no white people present. I might be being presumptuous, but that is very common to be expected. Uh, and I mean, sometimes it can be really extreme where a white person comes around and now they'll name call you or <clears throat> as you were saying, totally ignore you. Don't speak to you at all. Might even be, you know, call you names and that type of thing. And then as soon as the white person leaves, you're my best friend. Let's hang out and blah, 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 that type of thing. So it would depend on how extreme right. it is. Um, I, you know, say all the time, we don't have friends in the workplace. So I would, I would work right. number one at making sure that I am being consistent. Like I've said, you know, I'm not talking about politics with other black people either. Like there's no assumption or in fact, the assumption is this is not my homie. This is not my friend. This is exactly what I would expect you and all the other non-white people here to do that it's just us oh what's up Gus my black brother so good to see you oh my man I'm so happy about the election or whatever we've been doing vegan cooking and oh I got some kale and quinoa and brussels sprouts and it was amazing soon as a white person goes, get away from me Coop. hey what's up man oh it's been great going to McDonald's getting a new burger man Woo, and all that <laughs> never talking to that Gus again isn't he the lamest person look at that he's sitting over there eating vegetables like he's some rabbit <laughs> that's what I would expect I'm not mad at him. Now it might, like I said, I like being consistent. I just behave the same way the whole time. Mr. Fuller has said, you can even pose a question. If you have a rapport, you could ask like, man, have you noticed sometimes when such and such Sally and Greg are around, you don't even talk to me. Have you noticed that? And see what they say. Now, how much time am I willing to invest in all this? Is this a conversation that I want to have in the workplace? Is this a conversation that I want to risk having? And I don't know how they're going to respond. Are they going to get upset? Are they going to try and get me in trouble? Are white people going to hear like all of that would have to be factored in? Like how much am I willing to invest? Like, have I known this person for a long time? Like, are we friends? Are we cool? Do we have some sort of connection outside the workplace? If the answer is none of the above, like, Hmm. I don't know how much I'd be willing to invest. Like, I don't know if we're going to be working together for the next 25 years or so. So just keep it cordial, keep it business. I'm not <clears throat> sharing a whole lot of life secrets or even having high expectations. Cause this isn't my friend or anything. Right. So, you know, long as we're courteous, no big deal. Once the white people come around, I already expect, yep, she's going to ignore me and might call me names. I already got mm-hmm, mm-hmm, going about my work and just keeping it. That might be the way that I handle it unless I had some sort of compelling reason to invest more in trying to address this or see if I could make it better. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it, it makes uh, perfect sense. And, you know, like you were, you mentioned earlier about distance as in either staying away or just kind of keeping them, um, you know, not, I don't want to say basically not trusting them, which I haven't shared personal information. You know, it's just with the inconsistencies of a person who displays those kind of characteristics, 
um, and you work with them, it's kind of difficult to, um, you can be courteous to them, but in a way when you're in their office or, you know, just one-on-one, it's kind of, I guess, difficult to um, have like that type of professional uh, um, rapport. But I do understand, you know, what you're saying, as long as it's not like an outside uh, friendship or something that I don't want to get um, too vested on. And, you know, she's that person is not, well, you said it best, you have no friends at work, regardless of uh, whether they're, you know, our race or whether they're um, the other race. Um, And I have one more thing, and this is just wanting to share it with you, if that's okay. Oh, yes, ma'am. Okay, yeah, no, I was. I wanted to ask you because I know there's B and there's other callers on the line, but I wanted to share some information with you. And you always emphasize about not eating at work and, uh, you know, the potlucks. And we had an experience in the office where a uh, white colleague, you know, um, had brought, you know, uh, food to the office for everyone to eat. But, you know, prior to that, she had brought her dog, you know, in the office. And uh, I witnessed her you know, allowing the dog to, uh, like, lick her hands and basically her not, you know, washing her hands. And so it just made me think about how you reiterate to not, you know, have anything because they can do things to our food. But that just kind of um, reminded me of things that you, you said about no potluck, you know, don't leave your drink, you know, there at your desk, just anything like that because, you know, these people will do things, you know, to your, to your food. So I just thought about that whenever, um, I, I saw that. Much obliged. That is another one that's right up there with no talking about politics, no eating, uh, in the workplace. Now, again, I was saying this before we got to the Rona, we have been saying this for a long time. Nothing to do with, you know, (laughs) you're going to get some respiratory illness and die. Uh, It was just that type of thing. And the same thing I, you know, said to your first question, these are not my homies. I don't just, you know, random people out on the street. uh, If they were to offer me, you know, banana nut bread or a salad, uh, chickpea pot pie, I would not just take it like, oh, really, stranger? Wow, that looks like it. No, who is this person? Like, where did you, do you have a food handler's permit? Any of that? Like these people that were, these are not my friends. Like, uh, I don't know what your kitchen looks like. Did the dog help you make these muffins? Like, did the dog help you mix these muffins? Like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Like, uh, not to mention you might've been at the rally. Like this might be part of your vengeance plan. Like, Oh yeah. I put the Rona and some laxative and all the rest in there. Let Fido lick the bowl a little bit. Like I am good. And the, even if all let's squash it, let's say everything was totally sanitized. Let's say she didn't even have a dog, no pets at all. This is just on the up and up. I just want to share some tasty goodness from my kitchen. Verona is still here. That is exactly the type of thing I thought they had said. Like, Aunt should not be doing that. No need for us to be bringing food all together and congregating together, eating. Like, calm all that down. No put potlucks either. Calm all that down. 
let's just try to be safe. Can't even do that. But yeah, no eating, uh, no pot. I'm not a fan of the pot lucks. Uh, and what have you anyway, because uh, that's like a whole lot of people uh, cooking in Brit. Like, yeah, I'm good. I'm fasting. I got peanut allergies. I'm gluten free. I'm doing the keto like boom, 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 boom. You just keep rattling them. I am good. Thank you kindly. And then you can add the Rona on top of it if you need anything. But I mean, yeah, like and it, oh, I forgot. I was thinking, it was so many people in the Florida era. I was just generalizing and throwing everybody in Florida, like having all those problems. But regardless of where you are in the world, I think that is a great policy. You do not want to be jerked around by food uh, in the workplace. If you are gainfully employed, hopefully you make enough you can feed yourself. You do not have to rely on potlucks and the goodwill of your coworkers to get a bite. Uh, let's see. Much obliged to be into Ron. Thank you, ma'am, for uh, sharing, reminding us about the food. Uh, if folks have any suggestions for her as we proceed about dealing with a black person who, I guess, radically alters their behavior in the presence of white people, like they can be courteous and kind to you if it's just like you and, and this one other person. But then as soon as white people arrive, they ignore you, maybe even are hostile to you. If people have a code about how you deal with that type of situation, we can share that as we go. Uh, be in Toronto, much obliged for your patience. Hi, thank you. Um, greetings to you guys. Greetings to callers and listeners. Actually, I do have um, a suggestion that might be constructive. Um, as I've actually tried this um, a few plantations past uh, where I would encounter that. Um, I would actually um, treat that uh, employee, the non-white employee, um, as, as a white person. Um, because they they are not consistent in their behavior. And when there is such um, a, a drastic change, uh, for me, I find it hard to trust. Um, not that I, I trust many people anyway, um, but that, that gives me red flags um, because if they can do that, um, then I, I see them as, as intel. Um, meaning that they will they will be collecting information and doing whatever they can to make themselves look good, um, much like the white counterpart um, and any um, and any other individual uh, that is is for self and only for the benefit of self and without uh, consideration for others and at the expense of others. Um, and once I have them in the white category, then I. That's that's where they stay, and um, as just a way of protection. In terms of, um, there was another question just prior to that that I had an answer to. Um, it, it was the um, oh geez, I just forgot it. There was another one just prior. Um, just prior to a uh, caller coming on, um, it was from the the email um, that you had read, Gus. Um, oh, she was talking about the uh, vaccine, the person that's 
female that wrote in, she was talking about the school situation. Uh, and Thank you so much. Um, so, yes, this is um, this was a, a recommendation um, that I also added because I know that in Ontario, um, they have um, they have a, like a, a stay at home measure um, where um, employees that can work remotely, um, their employers have to um, provide the the supplies um, and services to ensure that the employee works remotely. Um, and that for those jobs, if the essential worker, unfortunately, that's not the case. They're just out and about, and that um, I'm in the essential worker category. Um, however, um, I know that in particular for schools, uh, there has been uh, concerns as to whether schools will open up again um, for Ontario. So if in her state, if the schools are open, um, I mean, there's definitely um, connecting with, with the union. We, have, we call them union stewards here. Um, I don't know if it's the same um, in the States, uh, but uh, whomever the union rep is, um, to consult with them as to what the options would be uh, to have it uh, so that she can uh, work remotely and completely online. Um, especially considering, I, I don't know um, uh, if many people are aware uh, about the UK COVID variant known as B117. Uh, that is uh, supposedly 30% uh, deadlier and more um, contagious, um, according to scientists. I don't know how they've quantified it since they're still looking for more information and investigating into that, apparently. Um, but that could be, uh, 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 by providing information like that, that possibly could be a, a case. Um, for working remotely, and especially if banding together with other staff that um, feel the same uh, in conjunction with the union to um, to represent them, um, if that's possible. Um, in terms of the vaccine, uh, again, if, if not feeling comfortable, definitely um, looking into options. Um, as to uh, what can be done, if there's any allergies, if she's pregnant. I don't know if she's pregnant, uh, but if she is, uh, then um, certainly there could be a delay uh, because of pregnancy. Um, because within the vaccine, it contains uh, something that uh, can uh, reprogram the gene um, to... Uh, create um, more protein antibodies. Um, so, so that's what I would recommend. Uh, but yes, um, in terms of the uh, coronavirus, um, because I was speaking to someone uh, earlier at the current plantation that I'm at and um, was just getting a wealth of information about the, the coronavirus. And um, uh, 
uh, the person that I was speaking with um, provided me some information uh, that was quite alarming. Um, and I, I've, I've sent that information over to you, Gas, and I've sent it to a number of people um, as well. Um, and it's dating, the article dates back May 14th, 2013. And uh, it's a, it was a, um, an article, uh, a Canadian article, that actually talked about um, a novel uh, coronavirus. They, it was actually termed coronavirus. And that the, the novel coronavirus actually occurred back in 2012. And that in 2013, it was, um, there were um, mysterious um, illness and deaths related to it from Saudi Arabia. And that apparently a lab in Winnipeg um, uh, was, uh, which is in Manitoba, um, the prov- one province west of Ontario, um, were actually doing studies. So I found this very intriguing because there's supposed to be a medical practitioner uh, coming in to answer questions at the plantation sometime soon. I believe it's sometime next week. And um, I, I uh, plan to attend the Zoom meeting regarding it. And I plan to bring this article uh, to inquire about if this was known over seven, eight years ago, why is it only now that we're hearing about the coronavirus? Uh, because it, it, it just goes to show that it wasn't just attached to China. This is going back as far back as to Saudi Arabia. Um, and um, what was interesting about the article was they're talking about um, testing it on, on animals to see which animals were susceptible to the virus, which was very interesting. And based on the information they're saying about how dogs and cats um, could uh, be susceptible to the virus, and that, in fact, there was a dog, I believe it was in Canada, there was a dog that actually had the coronavirus. And it made me start thinking about those white women with those darn dogs that they keep um, using as... as uh, antagonist um and it makes me wonder like you know what if one of those dogs have the coronavirus um so so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna bring that up um but thank you so much and i leave the line much obliged uh be in toronto uh it's zoonotic i believe as they say uh you can transfer between animals so that is something to uh consider uh i think at least a few of our callers have talked about they uh not that they had been studying and following these reports for years or even months prior to like february uh january february of 2020 but i think some of our listeners did say that they had or they were aware that these studies had been happening uh, years before lots of us became aware of the uh, coronavirus uh, that I think some uh, some listeners even dialed in and said that they 
uh, saw, I think it was a cleaning material or something. And it had uh, specifically that it would eliminate the coronavirus. And they were like, whoa, how long has that been there? And I think it had been listed specifically on the product for some years. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that they had this uh, report in uh, CT. CT News. I'll uh, share with listeners so they can check it out. CTV News uh, so they can check it out from 2013. Canada's National Lab has sample of new coronavirus. So you can check it out. Uh, Let's see. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up line should be open. Proceed. May I be heard? Greetings, Red in Ohio. Hello, thank you for taking my call. Hello, everyone. Um, to comment on the caller who went before B, uh, I do also agree with the suggestion about uh, interacting with this other black person. I think she said it was black female. Just, I guess, to even elaborate, I have had to uh, teach myself to treat the victims at my current plantation as if they were white people and I I'll get into that more with my commentary but just being very if the victim comes over and tries to have a a friendly conversation just keeping it extremely short and um, you know you don't necessarily have to be rude or anything like that but not providing any extra information and not having any expectations. And it definitely seems very odd that uh, someone's behavior would just completely switch just around, you know, white people. Um, And I also looked at the article about um, the laboratory um, out of Toronto. It was a Toronto article, but then what B was talking about. So it is definitely um, really interesting. And good luck to be if she can ask questions, uh, if there's going to be like some type of physician or whomever to come into our plantation. I know that when we were being told about all the different cases at work and at one point in time, it seemed like there was a, we got a new email about someone else testing positive within the building like every week. So I think it finally stopped. I know in December, it it seemed like it was a new email uh, every week. But when I asked questions, it was just like, well, you know, we'll have to research that for you. We'll have to check that out. Or I just don't know, basically. But it wasn't a physician. It was just a supervisor providing the information. They used to do, like, really quick meetings. And now they don't even do that anymore. It's just simply just an email. Um, With... Uh, the observations that I have this week, um, again, just about like how the victims interact with the suspected um, white supremacists or suspected racists, it's it's really um, odd that I guess um, they can be so so like uh, familiar or just. I don't really know how the best way to to really explain it, but um, some victims, like there was a victim who was training me on this new function that I'm doing, and 
she actually carpools with a white woman. And then uh, there was a conversation that I had overheard with a victim that I, I do think is very nice. The victim, uh, she actually helped me. She trained me um, in one area and it was very helpful with my productivity and just the overall quality of my work and how she was interacting with the same white woman who carpools with a, another black female. Uh, she had told the black female, I had, and I quote, she said, I just, uh, I ran into your future baby daddy. And I was thinking, I don't, I don't ever remember being that confused, but it just seemed like, and that's, again, that's some way, that's just a way that her and the victim communicate. And like a little bit later on, the white woman said was, I guess was, you know, not, I guess, but you know, how they play around. She had said, Oh, I'm gonna stab you to the black female. And with, and that particular black female, she's always very happy and her demeanor is always very cheerful. And I've never even heard her play around or say anything like that, but I, it seems like they are, they've been working very closely in that same area for, I don't know, at least a few years. So I guess that's just kind of how they play. Um, but it just, their interactions and it's mainly like, I guess like with this week, I guess like the main uh, concerning observations that I've seen was with that particular white woman. And I even had a situation, nothing uh, serious, but I had a situation with the same white woman. She was um, helping me out with completing a task because I just didn't have all of the um, authorization to do it on my own yet. And she, we were, we were in one smaller area together and then a white man um, who was like, a, he's in somewhat of a management level. He comes over to the same area to get something on his own and they begin a conversation and it was like dry humor and, you know, like that, but it wasn't, there was no playful talk of violence between them. I, 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 I forgot really what it was, something to do with like something outside of work. And I just offhandedly, which I know better now to not do that anymore. But when the white man walks away, I offhandedly said to the white woman, like, oh, y'all sound like the office. And somehow the conversation, it, it, it seemed like it wasn't going to go anywhere at first, but she says, um, well, she laughs and I guess that she was funny. And then she later on says like, oh, you know, I laugh about, um, I always like to laugh and sometimes I'll be sitting around and laugh again after about something that someone has said several minutes ago. And I like to, I try to just laugh all the time because my childhood wasn't the greatest. And she goes into the fact that she hasn't spoken to her previously drug addicted father and how he's basically on his deathbed. And it just made the situation really awkward. And I couldn't wait to be away from, you know, get away from that white woman. But if, you know, that's a lesson learned, but Another thing is that I really just try to be alert 
of how the white people interact with the victims and it helps. And I try to remind myself like to not, um, to just keep the conversation short, not share too much information, just like what has been talked about um, recently. I, yeah, I think that's all I have this week. Thank you for allowing me to share. Much obliged. Red in Ohio got some more suggestions on how to deal with victims of racism in a workplace uh, who might not be too consistent, might switch it up and pretend they don't know you. Uh, once uh, white people arrive in the workplace, got great suggestions from B and uh, now Red in Ohio. The tackiness and this, see, we've had that that pattern over a number of years where white people in a workplace setting, they'll be talking to a black person and that's when they break into their slang, you know, what, you know, daddy, what it is, how you doing? All the rest of it, pimping all any Negro slang that they picked up now, bang, break it out with my black person. This is my black friend, my black workplace friend. Just met your baby daddy. Oh, you got to see him. Gold tooth and everything. Beautiful pair. What? Keep it business. Just keep it. I mean, that sort of thing. Like, ooh, we <laughs> me too moment. Imagine switching that one around. You going in. You don't even have to say uh, baby's daddy. Like, ooh. You could be real close. You having to go down and talk to administration like, hey, 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 you don't want to be talking that way about sexual activity or anything else like this. We are professional. And then the violence, we talked about that so frequently. Violence against black people. So many of the racist jokes are about violence against black people uh, and making it funny. Uh, Oh, I was just joking. I was just joking. I think we had the caller in Florida. He had uh, one of his uh, co-workers. He said, oh, I'm fitting to shank you. Came around this corner looking like O.J. Simpson. Doesn't get any better than tacky. Everybody is <laughs> distancing really from everybody in the workplace. These are my friends. These are the people that are coming up and bringing me peanut M&Ms and want me to come to the potluck. Then they're joking about stabbing me. Anywho, uh, once for whatever reason, the white people are over and joking around and doing their nonsense and things. She said she, she learned, she had to learn the hard way. We, not going to interject because that can just give them opportunity to go off on all the tangents and things. And she started out. All right. I like to laugh and, you know, just does my spirit well. And then the bird that just reminds me of my childhood and Appalachia. We didn't have any corn. There were no Negroes, of course, but we didn't have any food. Paul left when we were young. I was raped when I was like, man, we are just trying to get through the week, man. This is not therapy session. White people do that so frequently where they just, whatever random black person is going to be their therapist for the day. I can talk to you about the problems. My daughter dropped out of school and 
my husband's opioid addiction and I'm thinking about a threesome and we have work to do. I'm not, and in fact, that's the one I love it where you can, Ooh, I got the irritable bowel syndrome. I have to make a run to the restroom. I'll talk to you later, Helen. Any reason to get up and go, Oh, I think I got to go and check my Rona shot. Anyway, I'll talk to you later, Helen. Thank you. <clears throat> do not feel obligated to sit through that. That has happened to me tons of times. We've had tons. We've even had people who weren't even at work. It was just some random white stranger tried to pull that nonsense. Like they were standing in the grocery store in line or something like in the workplace. No way. Any reason to get up and get out of there. Phone call. Oh, I got to send a text message. I'll talk to you later. Childhood is important. Mm hmm. Don't let them waste your time. We've even had some folks where they had to get a code about that because white people get excited. They love it. Like once they got one or two times where they could take up your whole afternoon talking about their traumas and foolishness. Like, oh, I love it. Red, let's sit down. We always have such a great time just talking. It's awesome. No wasting time talking to white people about their foolishness in the workplace. They love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, Let's see the number again. 720-716-7300. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, other folks dialed in, hand up, line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Uh, greetings, Emmy. Namaste. Namaskaram, beautiful people. Um, I really wasn't going to chime in. There's so much I could talk about of what's going on at my job. But uh, until you made the last comment, because it happened to me, and I will state for the record, I consider that an act of psychological war and terrorism when a person who is classified as white attempts to hold me hostage with their um, personal life story uh, in any capacity. It doesn't matter if I'm at work. It doesn't matter if like some, I don't, I don't know how it would happen if I wasn't at work, but if some white person was somehow savvy enough to like engage me in a conversation and somehow try to start talking about something that has nothing to do with me. And I really, it's just none of my business and I don't care. Um, I consider that an act of war. Um, just putting that out there. But it was so funny because uh, people who are classified as white, um, the males and the females just will find any way to do it. Case in point, so this week, um, just as a reminder in case people don't know, I work at a psychiatric facility that provides services to children. Um, It is several group homes within a property. So uh, I work primarily with the little girls. And the little girls, there are uh, six girls, one black, one um non-white she has a white mother and i think a black father and then the other four are white all four white girls have life 
and three of them have ringworms. So if I was going to call in before, it was probably just going to be to rant and vent my frustrations for that. Um, I will say that I always protect myself in that environment. My hair is always covered, not necessarily specifically for because they have the potential of having lice, but I do cover my hair uh, when I leave my house. I'm always covered. Um, I stay in long sleeves. I don't even wear short sleeves, So, and I'm not friendly. Um, I'm effective with the children. I do get my work done. Some people think that, like, you have to be super coddly with children, and that's the only way to get to them. That's not true for me. But um, I don't do all those hugging and all that kind of stuff. So um, Emmy is uh, life and ringworm free over here. <laughs> but it just drives me crazy. I'm super triggered, to be honest with you, to be having to work in an environment like that. I'm super triggered. I even bring a beach chair in now, and that's what I sit on. That way I'm not sitting on any furniture. I don't care. I will just lug it in with me. I can't do it. It's just I'm super triggered. Moving on to the white woman um, you know, psychological terrorism. So I was venting about what the children need to learn because it's more like in the situation that I'm at, we house them and we're not really helping them to acquire the life skills that they need to be successful individuals in the world. Yes, they've gone through a lot of things in their life. They've been in the system for the majority of their life. That's how they end up at the facility that I currently work for. Um, but I don't think that because bad things have happened to them, that means that we should spoil them because it doesn't work. They become entitled, indignant, disrespectful. Their behavior gets out of control. And for anyone, you know, for me as a non-white black woman um, working with a majority primarily of these uh, self-righteous, indignant, entitled white children, it is not healthy for me. Um, and it is not something that I enjoy. However, when there are non-white children present, um, it makes my job much easier. You know, there's a relatability. There's a lot that happens, you know, um, that makes the job easier. But I was saying that, you know, we need to be teaching these kids X, Y, and Z. And I was going, you know, they need to start doing this. They need to do this and all this other stuff or whatever. Somehow, <laughs> the white woman hijacked the conversation. I didn't even know. We have pivoted, quite frankly, until maybe like seven minutes into her her like monologue. And she's talking and I'm like, I'm following, I'm thinking like she's presenting the story about her cousin who uh, had a son who had a lot of terrible things happen in his life. And I think she's going to pivot to say, hey, yeah, bad things happen to children, but we can teach them resiliency. They don't have to turn into terrorists and become these um become unmanageable and become disrespectful and just develop personality and character traits that will not help them thrive in the world or at least survive. I thought that's where we were going with it. Um, and she's telling me about how two of his stepdads died, blah, 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 blah. And I'm still listening. Like I'm waiting for this to tie in. And then she's like, and now he has brain cancer and is just resigned to die. And that was the end. And I was just like, she got me <laughs> because I was waiting for her the whole time to turn it back and to say the resiliency aspect, it never happened, y'all. It just did not happen. And I was just like, man, they are savvy. They are savvy. They are smart. And they just want to do, like, just to hijack your ear and to make you give them that therapy because you're listening intently. For me, that um, energetic vampiricism is very real. 
that, you know, just when they drain your energy is pretty much what I'm saying, feed off of you in so many ways. And I was so disappointed that, like, I got blindsided. I really didn't, I, I really thought it was going to tie in, and it did not. And then the funny thing, and then she segued into her own um, severely uh, handicapped brother who is sick and has muscular atrophy, and now he's in the hospital and something about, like, if it's time for him to go. I was like, what? I'm over here talking about how we can teach the kids skills, you know, tangible life skills. And somehow we're talking about your cousin with brain cancer and now your brother. I was like typical white ter- psychological white terrorism or white psychological terrorism. But anywho, yes, weary of, you know, once they start talking, I must need to tighten up my code. Maybe I'm getting lagged. Maybe it's the life got me tripping and I'm just stressed and I just wasn't on my P's and Q's. But um, yeah, I will leave it there before I even start just going on. Thank you all so much for listening to me. Much obliged, Emmy. They get us all. They get us all. Good to be aware of when we can make improvements or have not been especially tight with our code. Very good to be mindful of that. But they are so slick because they'll start off as though, oh, okay, I see. This is real. Oh, okay, she's going to have some. Then after you wait, and it's like, wait a minute, did she? the consumption it, I was waiting when I went to Emmy I was talking about that I was like oh this delectable Negro then she said it's like a, a psychic vent. You, um, in fact I'll just read the quote you heard what she just said I had already pulled up the delectable Negro human consumption and homoeroticism in US slave culture I had already pulled up the page before she got to everything she was going to share. She says, uh, or Vincent Woodard writes, nor do our typical understandings of the science of human interaction sufficiently account for the esoteric implications of the plantation masters pleasure taking the state of pleasure that a lot Equiano slave describes connotes horror objection and human vampirism in this context of social death and energetic exchange that might be what this is energetic exchange we just they just get to yam and 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 you just have to listen and empathy oh really mm-hmm. oh and you're it's always something bad happening so you have to see them as a victim oh poor thing oh mm energetic exchange pleasure operates as one an organic unit a life sustaining energy readily bartered and exchanged during slavery white supremacy and two a process of internalizing and imbibing spirit and soul force Vincent Woodard's the delectable Negro human consumption and homo eroticism in U.S. slave culture in Gusty's top 10 for a reason. We read this book in the book club. You can go back. I think it's 2007. It's with the Trump presidency. This is what we were reading as he took office. The delectable Negro. You can go back in the good old days and hear it in its entirety. 
much obliged Emmy. The number again is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. White people are so good with that. They can take up like a good five hours of your afternoon just talking to you about, you know, all their divorces and, you know, they're experimenting with drugs and problems with their children and, you know, might be facing charges for the riot. You name it. Uh, let's see. Other folks that we have missed totally. If you have a hand up commentary to share, line should be open. Proceed. While folks are getting a moment, get their thoughts together. I'll share one more email. I think this came up last week, or in fact, the last two weeks, uh, we were talking about the impact of the lockdown, COVID-19, really everything, the rioting and what have you. How has this impacted children? And so many folks we were talking about the schooling situation and down in Florida, they're you know, saying you got to have in-person option uh, to have funding and all the rest of it. So many people have been locked down and online and it's just been really, really awful for a lot of folks. And we were saying that for some children, this has really disrupted their mental health. Uh, they've been isolated so much for the last year, basically. And it's such an indeterminate thing. You don't know how long this is going to last is, you know, the entire school year going to be disrupted like this is next year going to be disrupted too. September will probably be here before we know it. Uh, it's, you know, had a huge impact like the rest of us. It's had a huge impact on children. So we were talking about how different uh, black children, listeners, children and what have you. Uh, what are they seeing? What does it look like? What are they you know, talking to us about? So we had one attempted parent wrote, uh, wrote in. Uh, she says, this is Irie. She says, my son uh, has divested from his senior year emotionally and actively. The staff has made this year's experience invalid to him. Now, I feel like they do that to a lot of black children anyway, especially black males without the Rona. But I mean, wow. Uh, right now, he's focused on fitness, coaching, which I applaud and encourage. And the outward health and safety concerns has him feeling constricted like many of us. Uh, I believe the school year was a tactic to confuse and discourage effective and logical learning patterns in all kids, all ages. Certainly could be. And I know for lots of black children, just the disproportionate impact for lots of reasons that we've talked about, primarily white supremacy, racism. Uh, I mean, you talk about at least myself, I talk about how, Many black people, we have had horrendous experiences with learning because of the white supremacist educational system, formal in formally in school and beyond and the devastating ramifications of that this year. 
Ooh, for a lot of folks is going to represent like a really destructive experience for a lot of children and like formative years. Like I couldn't imagine, you know, being 11, 10, even younger than that. But I mean, in anywhere in that continuum and having this is like two, almost two full academic years, like totally disrupted and how that, you know, and everything the time since you're having to be isolated so much not getting all that social time uh with other students and being able to interact and just yeah i would be really really mindful uh if you have offspring talking to them and trying to do as much as you can uh to mitigate because i mean it would have to have just a really horrible uh impact on so many children especially not have even having anything to compensate and you can't even have a horizon like when is this going to be when, like, man uh, so if we have other parents if you have made notes especially you have any tips or things that you think would be helpful uh, that other parents might benefit from trying out with their offspring share uh, let's see other folks who dialed in if you have a hand up uh, commentator share line should be open proceed Hi, this is a victim from Canada. I just wanted to add something about the parenting thing and with the school, with the kids being at home. Um, Gus, you did have a guest on that that had a book on how to ho- homeschool the kids. I think that might be uh, a, a kind of a good suggestion to uh, give to the other callers, to the call listeners. And I think that would be a great resource because since the kids are going to be at home, you might as well use, if, if you're not working, the time that you're at home, you could use to, to try to learn something for yourself and then teach them. So that could be a learning opportunity. And I also want to get back to um, what the what the female said before B was talking about when she was asking for suggestions when she's at work. Um I think what's really important is to really know what your job functions are and to know what they expect of you. And once you completely understand what the, what the job entails and what they want you to do, you must really focus on that because a lot of non-white people seem to have the idea that they are the entertainment committee. And a lot of my information that I'm, I'm, I'm getting this from is from um, Mr. Fuller, Mr. Fuller's book, The United Independent Compensatory Code System Concept, a textbook workbook for victims of white supremacy. Now, the reason why I brought up that book, it was an, it was a, an essential tool for helping me to create codes in the people activity area of labor. Now I've had, I've heard some callers talk about talking to a non-white person or talking to a white person, and sometimes they may change change the discussion into something that is of a non-constructive behavior, um, non-constructive uh, discussion. So one of the best ways to deal with that is to probably to get that book. And also, if, if you don't have the book, you could just think to yourself, what are some of the things that I can do according to company policies and practices, how I can um, 
keep the conversation focused on getting the job done because that's essentially what you're there for. You're not there to make friends. And I'm not saying to be, you know, cold, cold hearted to people, you know, but you're, you're there to, to earn a living. You're, you're, you're there to earn um, money to support your family. So you're not really there to hear about someone's um, uncle who um, died in a car accident and then they're telling you how you're feeling. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, there, there's ways of creating a code for what you would say to a non-white person creating a code, you know, a compensatory code in the preparatory of labor because labor has to do with work. So, and um, I also want to go back to what someone else was saying about how they wanted to treat non-white people as white people. I don't, I don't remain, I don't recommend you do that. Um, in the compensatory code, um, according to racial classification, it's very important to stay within the racial classification because the reason why we have to stay within the, the, the racial classifications of white, non-white, and white supremacists is to, it's to, it's to give us the opportunity to come up with strategies of how we can solve our problems without creating new ones. So um, in my particular experience, I do have a lot of non-white people who would come to me and try to um, start off a non-constructive discussion. And then what they would do, they would take the information after speaking to me and then take it and take it to the supervisor and then create a problem for me. Now, um, one of the just this, one of the basic ways of dealing with that is to create a code for what you're going to say and what you're not going to say what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. That's basically all what a code is. It's, it's nothing really complicated. It's just for you to understand that, okay, I'm going to create a code for the area of labor when I'm at work. What am I going to talk about? What am I not going to talk about? If someone comes and asks me something personally at work, here, I'm at work. I'm here to work. Maybe we should keep the discussions on work-related subjects and yes, you're gonna have suspected white supremacists who come in and they're very savvy, you know, at trying to change the subject. Well, that's the opportunity for you to create um to create um a code. What what am I gonna say if somebody says that? What if someone brings up a topic of politics? What if someone brings up a topic of of religion? What if someone brings up a topic of sex, which is a no no? You don't want to go there, especially at work, and especially if you are a if you're a non-white male. So anyway, uh, so that was just one of my things that I wanted to, uh, to, uh, to talk about because um, I, 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 think, I think what a lot of non-white people need to keep in mind is that they're at work to earn a living. They're not the entertainment committee. You're not there to entertain other non-white people. They're not there to entertain all white people, even though some of them, they may think that's just what you're there for. So understanding what your job entails and what they expect of you, and you just focus on that, and you don't really try to focus on anything else other than you're you're there to earn a living. And I, I, I'm in the office, you know, that's that's when you create codes. 
you know, you could have called, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing up something about their personal life. You know, I don't want to be rude. Sometimes you have to be really assertive and say, you know, listen, I'm here to work. You know, I'm sorry about what happened in your personal life, but we're here to focus on doing our job. And that's really what you want to be thinking about every time that you're coming into work. And the thing about those, those, those carpools, um, one of the reasons, um, one of the things that we also need to keep in mind is um, Mr. Frola has, uh, has, uh, has an idea. He's, he calls it no contact, no conflict. I know sometimes this is a little bit tricky, but sometimes with those carpools, it's just another opportunity for someone to practice racism or for a non-white person to, you know, create a problem for you. A lot of my experiences have been with non-white people causing fights, uh, causing arguments, and, you know... Just focus on the job, and I guess that's it, and I'll meet my line. Much obliged caller victim in Canada. Uh, the bee's neck of the woods, staying focused on the job while we are there, trying to get those nickels or wherever you happen to be the currency compensation that is why you're there not for any other reason certainly not to make friends and you know this is not the social hour trying to get that promotion trying to get a raise uh i was glad the carpool component that was important too uh because and we talked about that the commute to the job that does often lead to a lot of problems, as he said, where it might be if it's uh, a white person where you're doing the carpool. And I've seen that problems, even if it was the black person who was actually uh, driving. It was a white person who was, you know, participating in the pool. But it can be a, broad, a lot of issues. It can be the white person. They want an opportunity pepper you with more of those questions got you captive in the vehicle you know for 45 minutes or whatever it is for us to get to to and from the job or I can find out where you live I got to drop you off at you know your residence or get more details I'm in your vehicle I'm looking around what radio station what type of car do you have Mm, how many miles Mm, how clean is it anybody else you know car seat in the back oh you got young children mm. all of that doing recon so i mean it's lots uh to consider if you're the person that's actually getting a ride uh i guess some of the 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 digging would just be more questions uh and then them finding out where you live uh when all of it is super tricky within the the constraints of white supremacy racism because i know it is legitimate where some victims uh, it might be you might have a two hour bus ride one way to get to your job. So, I mean, hey, doing a carpool for 30 minutes might be appealing. Maybe even if you don't do it every day, once, twice, I could certainly see that. So that would go right back to what the victim said. Even if I do have to do this or need to do this. I'm going to be super codified with what I say here too. I don't just say anything. I already have what I'm going to talk about, what I'm not going to talk about. If we have to do this ride thing, 
and maybe if you are the one actually getting a ride you don't have them pick you up and drop you off at your residence you get picked up and dropped off you know wherever it is uh you know store where someplace uh where you're close enough but they don't know exactly where you live just something to think about like lots of hazards and we're just trying to solve problems without creating new problems always the goal to keep in mind let's see number again 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate other folks dialed in uh, if you have commentary to share line should be open proceed Uh, excuse me, Gus. Yes, sir. Gus, I, f- I forgot to ask you about, like, sir, would you have any information on the homeschooling? There was a guest that was on the cow show that, that had a book, had a book on the homeschooling. Would you have any notes at your disposal right now? or I suspect you, you the, might be referencing Dr. Ama Mazama, but I've not read her book, so I cannot vouch for uh, the information that's in it. Folks can go back in the archives and check out uh, what she had to say. Uh, but no, I don't have uh, I cannot vouch for her written material. She sounded pretty logical on the program. Folks can go back and check out what she had to uh, say there. Uh, she actually was a guest on the program a couple times. So folks can go back and check out what she had to say. But no notes and have not read her book. Okay, sir. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, proceed. Hello, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi, this is Golden from Ohio. Hello, Gus and callers and listeners. I have a couple of things to respond to and an update from my workplace with respect to the education in the state of Ohio, our governor has basically forced the school system to return back by agreeing to uh, in-person schooling if they have the vaccine. Now, I believe what's not being said, like that's obvious down in Florida, is that I do believe it's also tied to the school funding. So in order for schools to be back in session, which they seem to be pushing nationwide, they're trying to uh, jump the teachers ahead. And in the state of Ohio, the teachers are even before first responders and uh, people like that. So he's kind of jumped them in front of the list as far as making the vaccine 
available. It's voluntary for the staff, but they still will be required to uh, do in-person schooling. So they're really trying to, throughout all the school districts in the state, get that initiated. Now here locally, our school system even jumped in sooner. So instead of March 1st, they said they'll start on February 1st. And um, I do, like I said, believe that's tied to funding and so on. So they're going to begin phasing school. Thankfully, I don't have a school-age child. My daughter is much older and out of school. But I do have friends in various school districts that are trying to navigate and uh, just kind of keeping up with information and things with uh, respect to that. Now, what makes that unique here is this county, they announced that this past Saturday they were going to begin in-school learning, phasing it in full-time for the rest of the year. We have reached a the highest uh, tier of the COVID infections with, uh, however they calculated, I believe there's six or seven points, but my county has hit the highest level and they're moving full steam ahead with putting kids back in school, no vaccines, and just total disregard to safety. Okay, so that's one. With uh, respect to a workplace code as far as social media, I'm on social media with Facebook, I'm on as myself. And for me, I find, being under my name and I keep my page open and public, it keeps me disciplined to where I'm very calculated about what I will post. And uh, I have a lot of people try to friend me. So I think it's very evasive things they do find on there or just totally irrelevant, but I can go in settings. And if I do post something, they're usually blocked from seeing anything. But anytime anybody tries to friend me, I just delete it because they can pretty much see everything. So if I know that they're pretty much trying to find me and watch me, I specifically block them. So that kind of gives me a head up with that. Other social media, I'm under some business company names and just, uh, you know, random tags from various email accounts. But I felt... uh, that helps me on Facebook specifically to just really be codified and thinking about what I post and, you know, not getting into a lot of back and forth and, you know, sharing a lot of foolishness. So for me, at least on Facebook, it's worked to kind of keep me thinking and uh, on my, uh, you know, disciplines with that. With respect to getting into a lot of conversation, my code is if I do respond back, I try the question, answer question method with response back. So, you know, it kind of flips the the scenario to where, you know, sometimes you get defensive if you're answering. So if I get asked the question, I'll pause. I'll ask a question back, even if it's just, well, hmm, what makes you ask that? Or I really didn't think about that. I'll answer. So I'll have to say no, 
what do you think about that since you asked me how do you dot 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 or do you dot 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 if I choose to answer it and that kind of turns the whole energy and a lot of times it kind of cuts it off because typically when they're racist and white supremacists are asking questions they either already know the answers or they're just trying to get you in a defensive position so I find question answer question always almost shifts the energy completely to where they just drop it or they just stammer and you know they're pretty much done with you after you do that a couple times okay as far as a COVID update um I'm the one that had uh, talked about no uh, plexiglass partitions and all these various things going on. Well, still haven't got plexiglass. Just keeping uh, a mental note and, you know, just jotting things down. Our company has stopped providing us with disposable masks, and they gave us some washable ones, but um, after... I would say we're going on a year almost. So we've been doing this for about 10 months. Um, you know, a cloth mask is just not going to hold up washing the um, elastic on the ears, which is why I kind of went to the disposable ones because they're easier to, you know, when they, when you take them off after a, a day's worth and just dispose of them. So I'm going to probably circle back on. something that we need as far as uh, a supply. Um, and today with uh, all the things that I've been kind of keeping aware of, and as I told you, our county did get to the highest um, elevation. So I did two things today. I called our safety hotline and left a message with uh a couple of things and it instructs you to submit something online, which I really didn't do want to do because I knew it would be tied to me because it, it won't let you do that anonymously. Um, but I did go ahead and draft a letter, which I'll go ahead and read real quick. I said, I would like to report an ongoing problem in fill in the blank department with those who disbelieve in COVID-19 and the recommendations set forth by fill in the blank with company name to maintain a safety and a safe and healthy work environment. Disrespectful joking and comments can be overheard towards and about those who choose to appropriately distance, wear face masks, disposable gloves, and practice protocols to sanitize workstations, shared equipment, and high traffic areas. In some cases, the comments overheard are so demeaning that it may be seen as passive aggressive behavior and falls under the stipulations of contributing to a hostile work environment as set forth in the employee handbook and code of ethics. Observation of continued violations of COVID-19 workplace safety protocols include, but not limited to the following rampant incorrect wearing of masks, mouth and or nose deliberately uncovered, people holding face shields in front of their faces rather than wearing correctly, 
two, repeated leaving individual workstation and mingling in common traffic areas unmasked, which prohibits the ease of flow of traffic for other employees trying to adhere to six-foot distancing guidelines. Number three, flagrant disregard of six-foot social distancing by congregating under the guise of working in and around fill-in-the-blank department areas. Number four, unnecessary interruption of productivity by standing at a masked employee's workstation without wearing a mask and feigning offense when reminded of their noncompliance. As fill-in-the-blank county has experienced an escalation of cases to where we are now classified as the highest status, the, all the aforementioned has, has occurred. If possible, this week it appears the district card has reached an apex to where it cannot be seen as accidental, but rather as willful and intentional insubordinate of workplace safety dictates. And then I end with what can be done about these abuses or noncompliance to COVID-19 policy and procedures to ensure the continued health and well-being of safety-conscious employees and their families as we continue to navigate the pandemic. And I also printed off in case I'm asked about it. Our handbook is very specific. So as soon as they put these uh, stipulations in there with regard to um, how our company defines harassment and discrimination, it's so broad, it applies to just about everything. So I tied that back to people creating a hostile workplace. And so in our handbook, it says, um, uh, let me get it real quick. Uh, some examples of prohibited actions include, but are not limited to the following, making or using derogatory comments, epithets, epithets, slurs, slang, phrases, nicknames, or jokes in verbal, written, or electronic commun communications about any individual group or, or employee, verbal or physical contact that conduct that has the purpose or effect of creating an intimidating, hostile, or, an, or offensive work environment. So I would just suggest to anyone experiencing any challenges to um, tie it back to your employee, to uh, non-compliance with your employee um, handbook, uh, CDC guidelines. I tied in our uh, county information and then also uh, the COVID workplace protocols with uh, just regard to uh, them being able to operate as a business. So I will update once I get a response or uh, some feedback to this and I will leave the line. Thank you. Wow. That is the best thing I've heard today, which is not saying a whole lot because we were in a blackout for about a good two or three hours. So wasn't the best Friday, but that notwithstanding, that is the best thing I have heard today. Uh, black self-respect. Dr. Welsing, 
would be third generation physician. Dr. Francis Cresswellsing would be so pleased. Um, I've said that you, we have to make our health and safety a priority uh, and to just consistently be able to go back to policy and procedure. We're all supposed to be abiding by policy and procedure with regards to maintaining safety in the workplace. What can be done about this? <laughs> like, uh, love it. Like if we can get the, the update on, uh, the response, uh, because there presumably is one white person at that company who could get this problem solved. Like we're not going to have any more of this. Uh, they, people have personnel files. They know how to write people up. They know how to suspend people, all of that demotions, firings. They know how to get your attention to make people behave properly. Make it happen. I love it. Policy and procedure and particular hostile work environment. Even as I was listening to the letter and just applauding like, wow, black self-respect love it use the policy and procedure like that is so disgraceful I mean unsafe unsafe but that is so disgraceful like name calling are you serious around wearing a mask like we are going to ridicule and mock you for wearing a mask in the workplace while we are in a county with the highest tier of COVID-19 rates. And we're mocking and name calling people who are trying to be safe. Like what a disgrace. Can I say it again? Cause I think golden appropriately named. She started all that with saying that may wait, get back in school back chop chop. Let's get back in school. Uh, what, what did he say? He said, White people do not care about children. Move the teachers to the front of the line. Got to be vaccinated. I've heard that in other areas where educators uh, got moved up. They're, you know, high priority. Uh, We want to get them uh, with the vaccine because we, the the economy and all the rest, we got to get these children uh, back in school. I mean, it'd be, I guess it would be one thing if I thought like, Hey, we are really concerned. We don't want our children to miss out and end up with, you know, devastating lapses as a result of all this. I don't think that is the case at all. I could be wrong. I don't have children, but I have seen and heard that exact same thing. And people who are furious about it, people saying, what are you talking about? The Rona is raging. Now they have the second strain. B was talking about that earlier. We haven't, lots of people haven't even been vaccinated. Lots of people do not want to be vaccinated. Like, what about this? Seems like, oh yeah, we are ready to have people back crowded together and particularly young people who are known for, you know, having boundary issues. That notwithstanding, uh, I think the, although I find it, uh, equally disgraceful, really kind of rushing the education component back, the in-person component. We heard that in Florida too, Ron DeSantis. Uh, but 
rushing that and then the conduct in the workplace. I mean, that people deliberately, she said deliberately, I was paying attention to deliberately wearing the mask incorrectly and ridiculing folks who are trying to promote workplace safety. Feigning outrage (laughs) about being reminded like, hey, we're supposed to be social distancing and you know respect make sure that we're all safe we're all, what they say we're all in this together you know <sighs> oh, disgusted television <laughs> like woo. i am appalled uh that you're having to endure all of that but that is spectacular and that that is appropriate snitching that's probably not even the correct term for it but i mean making a report of incorrect behavior and flagrant violations of policy and procedure love it please let us know the result because as I said I suspect there's one white person on that job who can get compliance like right now Uh, excellent job ma'am bravo Uh, let's see other folks who dialed in that we missed totally if you have a hand up let us know I guess I shouldn't be premature but even excellent effort it shouldn't be attached to the result but excellent effort you did great job I'm I'm super anxious to hear uh, the response uh, as to uh, and including the policy and procedure within it love it Uh, folks that we missed totally if you have a hand up Could I add something? Uh, Can we make sure, because we do have people who have not shared at all. Uh, Let's make sure we have not. We have 30 minutes left as well uh, in the broadcast. So let's not have lollygagging and waiting until we get to five minutes left in in like an avalanche. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. We got five minutes uh, and I got about 10 things that I want to uh, get in. So number again is 720 716-7300, Seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, any folks we missed totally? Yeah, I'll be heard. Greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Um, speaking of the, uh, let's see. Speaking of the uh, the social media, um, the the person that needed the PTO requests or donations. She posted a uh, term from, uh, I guess the website is called Urban Dictionary. I know, you know, many people have heard of it. And I guess it was like a repost from a few years ago. Um, And 
the term is Ace Boon Coon. So I know that that term Coon, you know, it really uh, stood out uniquely. And uh, it says it's a noun, an N for noun, and it says number one nigga, your main man, your best friend. Jay is my ace boon coon. So she posted that, right? So another fine opportunity for a screenshot. All right. Now my next is the warden sent out an email also stating or talking about PTO. And uh, we're saying, just to, to clarify, you know, I can answer questions or concerns that people want to know about donating PTO and started going into saying that supervisors or coworkers, employees, and management shouldn't solicit about donating time and people shouldn't feel pressured or guilted into doing it. So I'm like, what's the agenda here? So it still seems like they're trying to target me and somebody with a lot of powers, right? So I still didn't respond. And uh, which leads to my next observation is she, in an irregular way, walks through the area that I'm seated at. And she is showing some artificial courtesy to uh, the black female that sits in the same area I sit. Uh, so, you know, I jot that one down. Uh, my next one is uh, another uh, white woman, Trump supporter, um, MAGA, all day. She was uh, assigned a job duty where she has to digitally get these images onto a program that we use so we don't have to use the old microfish um, that, that they have at a lot of courthouses. So the supervisor says that if we get a request from a law firm or any kind of customer or whatever, that we can, uh, you know, summon her uh, abilities to get the image to us so we don't have to look on microfish, right? So she mentions this again in person, first in email, next in person. So I take her advice, even though I thought I was doublespeak, because when the doublespeak came in with, when she says, and if she doesn't respond, just go ahead and just pull it from the microfish. That's what I was going to do anyways. So I send her two requests and, you know, this, you know, the female, she don't, you know, she don't even respond. And I predict, I'm at the point where I've been predicting they do stuff like this. So I said, you know what? I wonder if she doing, is she doing this because I didn't give her MAGA friend no hours, right? That's just my thinking, my mentality. Um, so uh, 
I go and pull it from Microfish for both requests, get the job done. I charge their escrow accounts, all that stuff, and I'm done with it. She comes calling me on the phone later on in the day, around like 2.30 in the afternoon. Oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I had this in my other inbox, a bunch of um, acts of racism, excuses. I just said, no, I'm, I'm not ever sending you an email again. And I just used uh, a statement saying, you got all this stuff to do, so... I'm not even going to bother you. I don't know how you're going to act or whatever. So I'll just get it done myself, you know? So, uh, I hang up the phone with her and I overhear her talking to a supervisor saying that, you know, I just feel bad that I didn't get to it. And I knew she had to be talking about me. Uh, and the supervisor replies and says, well, you know, I, I said only if you're able to get to it. And she says, yeah, but I was available. <laughs> See, so I'm like, which one is it? Like, do you want us to get this person to help us or not? So uh, my my next, I have two, no, three left. Uh, this next one is, like, I do the authentications or I get the signatures from them. So, the warden definitely has been avoiding me because like I've been pretty much on heavily on to the click uh, about the email chats and text messages and stuff. So she done, she don't, she don't, she don't want to talk to me. You know what I'm saying? So she tried to avoid me as much as she can. So I was letting her know that I was going to have to come get a signature from her so apparently I'm thinking that uh, the supervisor engaged in unjust networking with her to get the first signature I went and I took the paper up to the uh, judge's office to get her or to get him to do the second signature and I guess they coordinated to get the third signature uh you know, the reason I mention this is because I'm usually the one that gets all of this done, usually with the clerk. So she's the next person in line if he isn't there. So apparently he wasn't there. Um, my uh, my last one, this is a situation that happened today. Uh, victim of racism, a uh, black person. Uh, she apparently called in. I guess her son was sick or something like that. Maybe she wasn't feeling well. So, um, for a while now, like I told you, you know, I shared before that we have two different areas and the official record size prioritized more, has more support. And the supervisor has no problem uh, going to sit up there and help them at the front counter. But when someone calls in on our side, she doesn't seem to show that same support. So I said, let me go and ask her a question. So now as white people, now I want them to hear me now. Um, Cause that's just to the point of where I'm at. And I say, 
I asked, I said, can I ask you a question? And he's like, yeah, sure. I said, uh, so do you not want to come over there and sit where I'm at or something to, uh, to help with the customers? Do you not want to come sit where I'm at? So she says, well, well, no, I got uh, some jobs. I got some of my own jobs to do, and I have to cover for some marriage ceremonies. And I said, well, why is it that? <laughs> no, well, I didn't ask a question. I just said, well, when you uh, when you have people that's over here, the people over here, a.k.a. white people, they call in. You can go up there and sit and help them out. You can provide coverage for them. But when it's someone on my side or the side that I'm on, it's you can't do it. Or I don't see you come over there. You don't, you know, I don't see no one produced over there. No physical person comes over there. And, you know, she starts stuttering or whatever. So I said, uh, I got to go and pick up the mail. So I'll be back. And she said, well, okay. And I said, you know, I just want to get treated. I just want correct treatment like everybody else over here. So, you know, these people are hearing me, right? So I come back and their demeanors and their uh, mannerisms have altered. Um, you know, trying to say good morning and stuff. So, uh, so I knew she would try and come back with extra refinement. So I was, I was ready. Uh, and she said that, well, I'm going to have uh, such and such, the what they call Puerto Rican person, come over uh, and help out. So I said, you know, that's fine. But see, my thing is, I said this to you because you are the you you are the boss, the supervisor. You know, you the one that usually likes to fill in. And this is why I said. I'm making my reports on mistreatment. And I said, I'm a victim, right? I called myself a victim. So she was like, oh, well, what do you mean by that? I said, because I faced, you know, constant injustice and mistreatment. Um, and she's like, I don't, I don't understand. You know, help me understand. I said, I think you do understand. You know, I, I consider you an expert. You're classified as white. You know, so I'm saying all this stuff. And like white people are walking by, right? They hearing this conversation, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got all these connections and things like that. So I don't know what you could be saying when I'm not around and why these, uh, I didn't call them click members, but a lot of these employees are talking behind my back and saying things that contributes to racism uh, and many other things. So <laughs> they they turn around looking, trying to make it seem like they're not listening. But you know, but I wanted them to hear me. Uh, and you know, black people are coming around too. Everybody hearing this. So she's like, I just I still don't understand, you know. And I uh, she got to a point to where she said something was my truth or something like that. And I know you've mentioned that before that term my truth or something is your truth. I said, no, this is what the truth is. Uh, when I was sitting to a table and all of the other coworkers had a desk, was that my truth or the truth? 
So she kept avoiding answering, right? She was evasive. She did it two times. And I said, now you see how you refuse to answer my question? That also is mistreatment. For somebody of your stature to do that to me, I said that you are mistreating me, okay? And in your wife doing that. So, I mean, I don't like recommend people doing that, but I just did it. Um, and I told her that I'm seen as an N-word. So, like, the, the, the other white woman, like, she heard me say that. And then from the rest of the day, like, she was, <laughs> she was trying to say have a good weekend or whatever. Because, see, you know why? She's one, she's another one that's in that chat. All right. So I, I said it again. I said, now watch. I said, they are going to go and text each other and talk about me and, and uh, some other black people. So, yeah, you know, that's what I shared with her. And I said some other things, too. But, um, you know, I just said I'm, I'm still doing my report. And, uh, you know, I plan to speak with the, the clerk and everything. So, you know, some different things produced from it. But definitely the click uh, uh, having a clan meeting or, you know, a mega clan meeting about me. Uh, and that's all I have for now. Thanks for allowing me to share. Wow. My man Ty Smith has a market for his AI communications analysis system, uh, ComSafe AI. Uh, I man, just going through the click members content alone will provide more than enough time to time we go through all this a spoon coon and the rest of it my goodness um let's see the last two i thought it was most interesting because you're asking for help not it's not like you were asking like i'm painting my garage this weekend can i get someone to come help me paint my garage or you know my tire uh, is flat can can you come outside and help me it's not like you're asking for like grueling personal favors this is like you know work things we're supposed to be doing here at the courthouse <laughs> you know like this is not I'm asking you to come do like personal favors this is what the, the jobs and duties that we all signed up to do here at the courthouse as civic duty as it were and yeah yeah no. we just don't help niggers well, you, you shouldn't even think of it that way. This is the courthouse. These are the good citizens of the Sunshine State. Yeah, yeah. I just don't help niggers. <laughs> like, dang. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He he just need the form. I mean, I, I said just to send a little email and boom, she'll hook it up and yeah. Nigger didn't want to share his PTO. Well, that that's in the policy and procedure, isn't it? You know, we're not supposed to guilt trip people and it's not supposed to be manipulative. You know, it's, it's you know, if he wants to share it, fine. If he doesn't want to share, that's fine, too. And we're not supposed to be lobbying about this in the first place. Got to remind folks about that. I mean, we're just worth it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Nigger didn't 
want to share his PTO. I'm not gonna, not gonna help. <laughs> and then, and then they come do the tax. Oh, I just felt so bad. I, I sure enough wanted to help you. I, I just felt so bad. Well, now that's another. When we talked about the psychic, uh, psychic vampirism, come around and just drain your energy. Now, what are we supposed to do? In fact, even check that. What am I supposed to do? Because you feel bad about not helping me. Does this require a hug, a gift? Do I need to make a proclamation of forgiveness? What is required of me that you want to come and profess how bad you feel? Then she goes talking to the other white person in the earshot. Oh, I just, I feel so. Oh, well, you know, you just got busy. It's not, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't that busy. (laughs) Play it up too much. I wasn't that busy. I just, uh, (laughs) I just feel so bad. I just feel so bad. (laughs) Woo. The tackiness abounds. And then we come right back. Hey, we we are a little short staff. We got the rota and everything else. I mean, can can we get some assistance over? I don't. Uh, hmm. I don't hang out in the nigger section. Dang, we're in the courthouse. He said segregated. He said they put us over in the segregated section. I was stunned. Did they call it the segregated section? No, 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 no. I just I just call it the segregated section. She said, I don't. Yeah. I don't hang out in the segregated. I'll, I'll get you a, uh, we got a Puerto Rican. Yes, I'll send her because I just, yeah, I don't, I don't hang out in the, the colored section. <laughs> I mean, like, what in the world? Like, this is the courthouse. We're not, I'm not, again, I didn't ask you to come sweep my house. Like, you're not even willing to come pitch in. No. And that is your truth that I don't want to come hang out in the segregated section of the courthouse. That's your truth. Told y'all for years. I hate that is like, they love that here in Seattle. I see he's in Florida. So obviously it's in many places, but like here in Seattle, it's like they have books on that. Your truth. Mm-hmm. Tell one plus one is two. That is not my truth. Joe Biden was inaugurated this week. That is not my truth. You don't come hang out in the segregated section of the courthouse. Either that's true or it's not. We either got surveillance footage of you coming and hanging out, working in the section, or that doesn't happen. You find a Puerto Rican or some other non-white person, ship them over to the non-white side of town. Very important They will try and get away with that one on a regular basis where things aren't, you don't really have truth. You just have your little Negro biased perspective. And then everybody else says there is facts. Certain things are Uh, the, and then the, the whole talking publicly uh, that one, I think, as he said, you can figure out if you feel comfortable doing that or not, but White people do listen like we even when it looks like they're trying to give the impression that they aren't paying attention. Once like racism has been uttered, nigger has been said like we 
their antenna is way up yeah. like oh we they'll go like hide around the corner like into the wall and lean in like what are they did you hear that nigger is over there talking about oh my god click get the text message text with me later like organizing the unjust networking everything like white people if anything if you anyone if you have this type of exchange in a workplace setting talking about racism and it's like not closed doors type of thing you can see white people are not ignorant about racism as soon as that conversation comes up they are all everything else is a way distant second priority we'll get to all that later on let me make sure I'm listening closely and then yes we will have a meeting in a few hours to discuss and make sure everyone is up to speed on what just happened they are not ignorant make sure everybody knows the new ace boon coon of the the uh, courthouse for the day like oh my god like can you believe what he did and they're accusing her of not wanting to come hang out not want to help and how he's treated and all the rest of it my goodness what are we going to do that'll be the whole conversation for the weekend <laughs> this day go away to next monday talking about this and what the response will be uh and white people are not ignorant how can you be ignorant about racism and posting Ace Boon Coon? You probably got a substantial number of non-white people, probably some on this call right now. Haven't even heard the term. What does that mean? Ace Boon Coon? What is that? White woman posting it. And why? Like, what is that related to? What purpose? What what's Fucked in your mind, like yes, I need to put that on my social media account today. Ace Boon, Biden being inaugurated, Kamala Harris, yes, Ace Boon Coon, snapshot, put that workplace racism journal. That's why I said you can do your social media recon. That might be the workplace journal for today. Like wow, look what I found. Diversity and inclusivity in the workplace from this white woman man oh man yes sir when the supervisor um, when I said she was refined right um, she went into saying that the two other black people she says well I haven't heard anything from them. Maybe, maybe they're scared or something. I said, and I and I was stopping her. I said, you know what? I'm I'm glad you said that because it shows that you're an expert. <laughs> and she was attentive. She was listening to what I was saying. See, she said that they was afraid. Now, how would like you said? They know. See, they know that the other two black people don't don't want to mention anything about being mistreated. Said you're the only one that go into such extensive detail about this injustice thing. So I say, yeah. And uh, it is almost like she tried to get me to speak about the other victims. So I just gave the codified response and I say, well, you'll have to speak with them. But I do say I'm a, I'm a victim though, even though I recommend people to drink water. I say, I said, I'm still a victim, though. That's what I said to her. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's it. 
white people hate it when black people refer to themselves as victims like ooh we like if you think black people hate it when you say oh we're victims of I'm not no victim I am a king and a survivor of racism and a conqueror of racism I am not no victim white people really hate it when you start saying I am a victim of racism and injustice oh god oh we just got through King Holiday and we got to hear more of this oh absolutely and that is one of their favorite tactics they love it to try and get you into well the other colored people here don't share your perspective they don't think all this racism exists well they can have that perspective that isn't even to get in they have been terrorized perhaps they might be afraid of being truthful about how they are being mistreated and be able to add in you see you are an expert you've already checked in with the other black people here to see whether or not racism exists like you're not ignorant on this at all same with the white woman with a spoon coon you all are not ignorant about this problem you have studied this problem <laughs> like yeah come on now Woo. Mm, mm, mm. another one we will see the uh, update uh, on it always excellent when these type of things happen when we can get through it where we do not have to get even if the other black because a lot of times they might even have where the other black people say in fact there is no racism here it's all in your head you're the one that's going around here these white people are spectacular I've never had such friendly and courteous white people in my whole life well that's still fine and and (laughs) if anything well you let me know the next time that you see such and such over in the segregated section (laughs) you can leave it at that you still haven't said anything and they might be able to come up well I thought I saw her uh Maybe I didn't see it. Well, it's still all in your head. Then that's fine. No problem. And we got no conflict, no issue there. VGQ. But they will do that. They will try and they will try and do the little personal attacks and jabs and that type of thing, and get other non-white people so that you can go and fuss and squabble with them. They got lots of different ways uh, coming at you. Staying focused. I'm talking to an expert and a white person who can get this problem solved immediately uh, did we miss anyone anyone that we missed totally because I thought we had some folks who we still hadn't even heard from is anyone we missed totally Seth can I ask a question got a question yes ma'am Uh, to the previous caller in Florida, I'm curious if multi-parted question. Um, one, have you ever spoken like that before at your workplace with white people? And then two, if you had, like what makes you do it then? Like why do you choose to do it at that time versus any other time? And then if this is your first time, what made you decide this was the time to use that language or to speak like that? I hope my question is clear. Uh, I would say that over the reason I chose to do it this time, because uh, I hadn't I hadn't done it in this way. I've only spoken with the supervisor or um, more powerful people, like in an office setting, not openly. 
the reason I chose to do it this time is because I I've had been notifying the supervisor about uh, injustices and many reports that I've been making about, especially about this uh, like this click gang and these chats and stuff. So a lot of those people that I suspect are a part of the chat were walking around and they already sit in the area that I was speaking. So I just like I just decided to just speak openly with her right in that setting. So it looked like it played out to be uh, successful. So I just decided to do it that way. Um, and after the conversation, not too many of them was really speaking at all, period. Like a lot of them got quiet. Some of them tried to, you know, like I said, have they said to me, have a good weekend, stuff like that. I just think it's because they know I'm getting closer to, uh, to finding out about those emails. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Much obliged. I think we missed our other person. Uh, she had a hand up as well. I was trying to get her commentary also. Get might have missed out. We're right at the end. Our caller, uh, victim in Canada. Uh, do you have a comment? We're right at the end, so I guess it can't be too long. Do you have something quick you need to get in before we wrap things up? Uh, victim in Canada? Did we lose him too? Yes, we are right at the end. So, uh, victim in Canada, are you still there or? Might have bailed on us. It's pretty much into the broadcast time anyway. Oh, maybe got disconnected. We'll try one more time. Oh, Gus, could I add something? Yes, sir. Um, um, well, I think what was really great about what the gentleman just said now, uh, he used the word, you see, word, it's all about the words. Words are really the tools that we can use to try to get some codification going on in the workplace. So he used the word report and it's, it's such, it seems like a really small thing, like like the gentleman said that he was doing reports and he's also been speaking with, with, with the, with the supervisors, people who have the authority to deal with the issue. And I thought the way how he put it out was very clear. I uh, had a lot of the elements of asking questions, staying in the question lane, but this particular time he decided to do his black self-respect. And I think that was very important. Thank you. For sure, for sure. Lots of black self-respect from folks who uh, chimed in. That is uh, something we will need. In fact, we'll need to uh, see if we can increase uh, as we move along, increasing for ourselves and other uh, victims of racism uh, so that we will have more of the courage to confront and solve the problem. Racist man, racist woman racist child uh, that will 
conclude the broadcast for today. Uh, we should be here tomorrow. The compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, 8 p.m. Central. Uh, and then we'll be here on uh, Tuesday. Uh, Philip Dre, uh, white man, white guests only. Such great timing for this book. I've had this book for some years. I think it was published. I'm not, it's not a new book. It was published, I don't know, uh, more than 10 years ago. Uh, but uh, the book is at, in, uh, at the hands of persons unknown, unruly white lynch mobs. And their history in this part of the world. Whew, really good book. Like this uh, book won awards and things when it was published. And it's one of the first books that I thought of when the whole rioting and everything happened at the hands of persons unknown. And in fact, <clears throat> many components of the book, they are about elections and white people being upset about elections regularly Negro participation in elections, but frequently that is the motivating factor system of racism, white supremacy, and then something acutely around elections and votings and displeasure around all of that. Ooh, got to get our mob out, go do some killing of black people stabbing. That's why we had the joking about stabbing a black person. Lots of that. Got to go stab some black people and shoot some black people, lynch some black people. Philip Dre on Tuesday, looking forward at the hands at the hands of persons unknown, the lynching of black Americans, very much related to what we saw at the Capitol this month. Anywho, uh, much obliged to everyone for participating. Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. We'll be here in about 24 hours. Listener supported counter racist radio invest. If you think the cows is constructive in our effort to replace white supremacy with justice the blog racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com paypal button is in the top right corner on cash app cash dot app forward slash dollar sign the cows much obliged for all of our investors supporters 12 years next month hopefully we have not been wasting a dozen years with that, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. We need our brain computer working at maximum efficiency to solve these problems. White people's narcotics poisons are not going to help us become universal man, universal woman. In addition to being sober, I'm still let's be buckled. Uh, I, I think there are still lots of armed white hooligans, armed non-white people too, really. Lots of reasons to hunker down. Uh, I do not think, unless you got something serious, really important to do while you're out and about and you're going to be focused, go do that and then <clears throat> get back to a safe spot. Fine, but it is not really a good time to just be out and about lollygagging and what have you kind of dangerous uh, these days and times uh, while you are out be very mindful of what's happening around you uh, if it looks like anybody is getting loud hostile might want to vacate the area 
no verbal confrontations. Uh, you do not know. <laughs> they talked about the number of military personnel and police officers who were at the Capitol. You have no idea. Somebody is out yelling uh, in public. Is this a plainclothes officer? Is this some sort of military official? Is this just a regular race soldier civilian with a firearm? You have no idea. If you did not leave your residence prepared for mortal combat, minimize contact. Let's get out of here. Uh, if you need to call enforcement officers, do that as you are exiting, but it is not time to be having just random confrontations with strangers in public. Super dangerous. Uh, you could easily be losing your life in a matter of seconds uh, with one stranger, a group of strangers, who knows? Very dangerous times. Take things seriously. All that said, creator, if you're going to go out, we are sober. We're buckled. If you're driving, you're not on the cell phone. Very important. Trying to minimize contact with the Mark Furman's of the known universe and We need all of our attention so we can be very cognizant of our surroundings. Now, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person, it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. Uh, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my condition. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.